Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our friends to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. I'm your host, Andy, joined by special guests, Matt Sidnick and Sean Perrow. And today, we're talking about Rushmore. Rushmore is a 1998 coming-of-age comedy written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson and directed by Wes Anderson. Follows eccentric teenager and king of extracurricular activities at Rushmore Academy, Max Fisher, as he gets put on academic probation, befriends an older business tycoon, and falls for a teacher at Rushmore Academy. Rushmore is starring Jason Schwartzman, Olivia Williams, and Bill Murray. It was made for about $10 million and grossed $19 million. So, made money, but wasn't, wasn't a smash hit. So before we dive into this, you guys are our very special guest today. <laughs> Whoa, you're digging into the economics real hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how we go, baby. <laughs> we gotta... I like that it was just a jab at it. It's like, oh, oh, you only made a uh, nine mil? Hey, by movie standard, I don't think they're rushing to get Rushmore 2 out the door with, with a $9 million profit. But who are we to comment on it? <laughs> as, see, as someone who doesn't have a single million, I guess I shouldn't be <laughs> Look, so snobby about nine of those millions. There are three of us on a podcast right now, and only one has headphones. That's some perspective <laughs> on the level work we're doing. But I, yeah. yeah, we could pool our money together and not even get close to the $1 million. <laughs> Oh, sadly. So yeah, my guests today, Matt and Sean, these guys... Old friends of mine from way back in the day, back in high school. Tell me something about yourself, guys. Matt, <laughs> Mavro, you're beautiful. Hey, uh, yeah, also, yeah. we refer to uh, Andy as Mavro, so be prepared for that to be what he is referred to through the rest of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, there's not a fourth person who's not on mic named Mavro who we are just referring to yeah. constantly. <laughs> Mavro's our producer. <laughs> we're slip between referring to each other as last names. We'll even get some nicknames in there as well. Yeah, we're just going to confuse everybody. Yeah. I'm going to start referring to Sean by like, hey, orange sweatshirt. It's not it, even it's orange. Yellow. <laughs> I'm wearing, but that's the thing. No one knows. This is an audio medium. I could be shirtless. We're actually, actually all shirtless. I'm actually gonna double down and call Sean a liar. Since no one can see his sweatshirt, I'm gonna go, it is orange. And you were just lying to the oh, people. Wow. I want to establish a distrust between the audience and you. They should know who is being adversarial. <laughs> <laughs> can I please be the underdog? Um yeah, well, I'm Sean Parham, and this is my best friend of the whole world, creative partner, and pseudo. Oh, you're too kind to me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, I, I just love accolades. You can keep going. Yeah, and Ma, uh, <laughs> sorry, Andy, Andy Mavra, our joint hetero life mate. <laughs> Matt and I do a lot of different projects like this. We have our own podcast called Weird Wonderful Worlds, where we talk to people about things that they like to do, and we're not structured at all. So Matt and I are blown away that <laughs> Mavra's holding his script right now <laughs> and reading off of it. This is organized, which is way past our our view of how we approach things. We just like creating content. So what comes up a lot, the only thing we have as a through line is that we don't take much of it seriously. So yeah. whether it's doing Dungeons and Dragons, which we do, check it out on 21st Floor Comedy on YouTube or our Weird Wonderful World podcast. We just like to make uh, and create with people like uh, Mavra, Andy, Andy Mavra, Andrew Mavra. Mavra Andrew. works. Mav, the big Mav. <laughs> uh, and I think we were asked to do this podcast because Matt and I have a series that is on YouTube called Movie in an Egg Roll where we essentially just go to like bargain bin movies stores and buy $70 worth of movies and watch. We ask them, what is the movie that has been here the longest? <laughs> and we buy that movie and, and they watch tend it. to pull out they, their eyes open wide. They pull a case out from underneath. the cabinet. <laughs> they, they blow the, 
blow the dust off, open it up. Some guy in the back just starts singing Love Lift Us Up, and they pull out just a 50-cent yeah. DVD. Not even in a box. It's just a clear case. So, just somebody burned from their computer in exactly. 2004. Well, like when he said, we're not joking. We spent $70 on movie once. The most expensive film on there as an individual film was 50 cents. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah so we left with a lot of crap. Which was... Yeah, right, give us some of these movie titles you guys have done, because I've seen your videos and I love them, but I cannot remember. I mean, like, we, not all of them made it into videos. There's like Snake yet. Face or like, I don't even know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the movie, which is a uh, a very old horror movie just about a guy that's trying to turn people into snakes. There's not more to that story. That is the story. Uh, we, we've we done uh, Super Croc, which is a super croc. same by the same geniuses that bought you, brought you Sharknado. It is about a super croc that is horrifically CGI'd. Uh, we went Disney's G-Force. Disney's we, G-Force. Done. Oh, classic. Uh, very one, popular there's one. Bunch, there's a bunch we haven't That's the hamster yet. movie? That's the, they are guinea pigs. Guinea, guinea pigs. pigs. Oh, I'm sorry. Guinea pigs where Nicolas Cage plays a naked mole rat that, spoiler alert, is the villain the whole time. <laughs> that is a movie. He's the scrappy, scrappy do of the, of the movie. Th- yes. That's possibly our most watched movie in an egg roll. Possibly our most watched video on our channel. But is a video we will never see a dime of because we could not remove Sarah McLaughlin's Arms of an Angel <laughs> in certain parts. We refused. So we were copyright claimed the whole oh, time. It was yeah. worth every second. Yeah. Of Sarah but, McLaughlin will come after you hard. Yeah. Right? Move, uh, Blind Justice. Blind Justice was great. Uh, we've, about, we've done... What about ones we haven't watched? Like Surfer Dude, Matthew McConaughey's Surfer Dude. Ooh. Surfer Dude with Matthew McConaughey and... Woody Harrison. Woody Harrelson. Oh, those are well? perfect. Choices. I have no idea what the movie's about, but it's just Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Do you know when this came out? Uh, uh, the, the movies like this are timeless, and they don't have a release date. <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to guess my McConaughey ness because because we did Days to Confuse on this podcast. Oh, the McConaughey universe. Let this, me look it up. this was somewhere between his episode of Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> and Interstellar. That's okay. all. That, that's the window I could pop. Between. Somewhere between that and those commercials well, where he drove I'm the car. About this now, Sean, we should probably start doing some movie in an egg roll podcast because we already have the videos and we just want to watch them and discuss them anyway like we have atomic age vampire we need to touch on oh man yeah. we, we got the dvd case said 15 chuck norris films <laughs> the back of the case only read 10 descriptions of chuck norris films and not one movie in the case is a chuck norris film. no and there's only like four <laughs> movies on the dvd uh, but we Sur- spent 35 cents on it so uh. surfer dude came out in 2008 Oh whoa! Whoa! <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. wait! I thought it was gonna be because McConaughey's in Texas Chainsaw Massacre four, and so was Renee Zellweger, but they both weren't famous at the time. Yeah, yeah, but and, that was way before that. Yeah, that came out like right. They released it the year after Disney Confused, but filmed it before then. And even though they were side characters, they threw them right on the cover to sell it because they then both became pretty famous around the Jerry Maguire uh, Days of Confused time. They do that all this time. Yeah, same thing. Jennifer Aniston in the first Leprechaun. Oh, uh-huh. right. so uh, there was a Jesse Eisenberg film where they did that. Well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it's, it um, what was it, Facebook? Was he in Facebook? It's called yeah. The Social. He was barely in it. <laughs> yeah, it why did I thought the movie was called Facebook? <laughs> but like, Sean, you were just on Facebook for two hours, and you were like, "What a great movie!" And I was just trying to find Jesse Eisenberg's profile. <laughs> but like, two thousand eight, he had already been like that. Like, guy was lost in ten days or whatever. At that oh point. yeah, yeah, he was lost for ten. Yeah, whole he, days. Was lo- he was. He, I'm pretty sure How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days is the setup of Castaway, but only for like a short, less than two week window. Yeah, it was about someone who owned a man and then had to lose him within 10 exactly. days. And, and he just couldn't find them. He was in the couch. Owned a man. That's great. That's awful. <laughs> All right. We are way off. Off the rails and I love it. 
This is going to yeah. be... Well, welcome to working with Matt and Sean. Yeah. I, I just... I mean, I picked Rushmore this week, and half of it was I really wanted to just take Sean out of his comfort zone of sharks and natos and crocodiles. Yeah. Which, spoiler alert, I was lost. <laughs> we, we have a bit of a thesis going into about this film. Sean, what was your perception on this film after watching it? What would you say in the car? Uh, first of all, I we were, I was about 25 minutes into Rushmore, and I was like, have I... I think I've seen this movie. And then I asked Matt, you know, this gives me like a uh, Wes Anderson vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt was like this is a Wes Anderson movie and I was like okay so I understand why I was lost and also thought I've seen this movie before <laughs> oh, absolutely uh, well so real quick rewinding I guess we'll just we'll continue on you Sean you kind of answered it there but when I told you this is what we were watching what was your perception did you even remember that it was a weird ass quirky movie or were you just like fuck it I'm just gonna rent Rushmore no matter what it is so here's the deal I googled Rushmore I saw the cover and you then saw I saw Mount Rushmore. And I, I immediately <laughs> thought it was the movie, I think, Nixon. Do you know that movie where like two girls work for Richard uh, Nixon? It's called Dick. Dick. I thought it was that <laughs> you're, movie. You're with the wrong guys here. This, this <laughs> one, okay, okay, so brief tangent. Sean has a lot of musician friends yeah. and I am well versed on their world and I know enough about it. But like I'm always just outside, and I feel like yep. Sean is finally like I finally have Mavra on my side here. That's called Dick Sean. Yeah, it's, but uh, starring when, was it? when you said Rushmore, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie Dick. And then I wa- I put it on in the first two minutes. I was like, mm, this is not the same movie. <laughs> You're like, when does so Richard my- Nixon come into play? Oh yeah. yeah, I waited till the end, and it was, that was like one of my cast my friends from Stomp went and saw. <laughs> they went and saw. You know that that movie where Jennifer Lawrence plays like a an X Men. She no, she plays like a a secret agent or something. Shit, I think I do, but I can't um, recall it right now. So not, not Hannah. Not, it's one of those kind of. Yeah. So she went to it's go a single see, name movie. Yeah. She went to go yeah. see that in the same theater that was doing like a, a a showing of Black Swan, and she showed up to work forty five minutes after being at the movie and said, "You know, I waited for like Natalie Portman to show up for like forty five minutes, and she never did. <laughs> she was in the wrong theater. Yes, <laughs> seeing a movie with Jennifer Lawrence. She's like, I didn't remember Jennifer Lawrence being in Black Swan. It's one thing when I, I would have thought she'd be pretty up. young in two thousand eight. <laughs> it's one thing when the theater screws it up. Do you remember that that happened? Out on Long Island, they went. They were playing like one of the Disney films out at the time, and instead they played The Hills Have Eyes Two. Yes, Uh, and the intro to The Hills Have Eyes Two is a woman giving birth to an inbred, zombified, evil baby. It is not something you want instead of cars. And then the the Magic Kingdom shows up, and it says Enchanted Two. It was weird that Disney also (laughs) produced that film. Uh, That was the oddest. It's like Michael Eisner presents, and we're like, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What was the question we asked, Sean? I'm so sorry. Oh, I think it was just if he knew anything about Rushmore, but it was he thought it was Dick. Yeah, so. that's what that's what I knew about Rushmore was I thought it was Dick, <laughs> which also you thought was called Nixon until five seconds ago, <laughs> <laughs> which I also believe is a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna bring it over to you, Matt. Did uh, you know anything about Rushmore before this? I know you didn't see it, but like I hadn't seen it. Like, did you know it was gonna be Wes Anderson before you turned it on, or was it like, oh snap? That was one of those things. I feel like I- that was accidentally pejorative towards me. <laughs> <laughs> did you know it was Wes Anderson before you turned it on, or are you fucking smart? He, he only recently found that it was Wes. I I remembered it was Wes Anderson once it started. Like, I remember going like, oh, I had heard that before. Yeah, but this yeah. was one of those movies because we're from the generation of movie store like rental houses blockbusters so this was a movie i would always see on the shelf but never picked up but i was familiar with the logo it had a very pretentious teenager on the front so i guess (laughs) i I almost remember like and this could be way off i remember the the big kind of word microsoft word art of Uh, clip art clip art clip art art of rushmore kind of that tapered image and i remember i remember almost like a rushmore mountain but i might be getting those confused but i don't think so i know he's doing some kind of like but i remember knowing of the film but knew nothing about it yeah and then when i was like oh yeah this is right this is what that was what i knew about it and that was it just wes anderson so 
Nice. I, I have a lot to say on that because there's some visual perspectives that you could see him playing with that he does a whole other thing. Yeah, I I think it's one of his more accessible movies because he hasn't gone full Wes Anderson. Well, and he's we can developing discuss... the style, right? Exactly. This was 98. Yeah, yeah. So this was his second movie after Bottle Rocket. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but yeah. that's like not a Wes Anderson movie at all. It's no. like a screwball comedy. I love it. That is it's... a Wilson's Brother movie. That yeah, is yeah, what exactly. that is. Counterpoint, yeah. this is a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but I feel like it's still not... It's not Fantastic Mr. Fox or Grand Budapest Hotel. It's not like... I'm going to be honest. It's all Dirty Singles, which is a film term that I know. And that's what a Wes Anderson movie is. The minute I see a Dirty Single... I was watching a Marvel movie, and they showed a Dirty Single of Tony Stark. And I was like, this is Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, he, he guest directed for one day? That's, that's for one, one frame? <laughs> well, that was the weird part about that movie was those shots like that that are super, super Wes Anderson was all of a sudden like the shot was framed exactly as he wanted. But the character they were discussing was like off to the side, which never happens in any other film. Like, yeah. Blew my. And I was like, oh, it, it's kind of Wes Anderson. -y. And then I remembered I should really start doing things because my art form will evolve. But instead, again, I'll just watch Wes Anderson films instead. <laughs> watch other people grow as our tours. Yeah, I, I like Wes Anderson a lot. But I will say even some of his more later movies. There's some of the most like beautiful, visually striking things I've seen, but I do think he often lets story take a backseat to character, character, or just like his his style and his like quirkiness. And this this one for me probably is one of my. I think the story it actually like the weirdness fits the story of this character, and I feel like Max Fisher, the main character, is a stereotypical Wes Anderson character, but a lot of people around him aren't, and they're a little more normal. That's why accessible was a good word for it. Yeah. Like, Bill like when Murray you... was just a little off. Olivia Williams was more grounded and normal. And his classmates were, like, a little bit more, like, regular kids. They weren't all, like, quirky weirdos. No, where, like, Dirt I love... Calloway is now one of my favorite <laughs> characters in cinematic history. Yo, do you know who that actor is? No. I, I didn't know until after I had to look it up. He was Dennis the Menace in the 1993 Dennis the Menace. What? I knew oh, I had... The Dennis the Menace we all don't know. Wait. No, the like Walter... I think the the real, one we, the, no, the one we all know when they like... When they, the, the Walter Matthau one? Yeah, the Walter Matthau one. What? When they did the classic thing in the 90s where they rebooted something from the 60s and we all thought it was the first time it ever came out. It was the first Leave time. Leave it to Beaver is still one of the classic films I yeah. watched way too much as a kid. Nickelodeon's Flipper. I thought that was the original Flipper and I found out that that was some <laughs> weird remake of, of a Flipper from, this, from back in the day. Scarface is a remake. Not important. <laughs> but yeah, so that's who Dirk Calloway is. I had no idea. Because I just that's had to look wild. him up and I was like, who is this kid? And then I was like, Dennis the Menace. That's Like wild. at first, I, he was he was a generic Wes Anderson character. You know, like those side characters. There's always like a sidekick taking notes somewhere. But then he yeah. grew. He yeah, became, yeah, exactly. like, He became like this fully fledged character that like had depth and cared about his mother. Whole to do. <laughs> yeah. So I like to, if I'm ever trying to get someone to like Wes Anderson, I think I try to start with this one. Because as great as Tenenbaums is, it's just a movie of weird people all being weird 24-7. And if you're not ready for that, you just might be like, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, Everyone I'm is out. the most interesting person in the room. So nobody is the most interesting person exactly. in the room. Exactly. So that's, I think this one's, it's, it's a cool stepping stone into the crazy world of... Is it your favorite Wes Anderson? Ooh, probably. Um, I do really like Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I really like Grand Budapest Hotel, but mm -hmm. I think this one might be it for me. I just... See, I'm an, I really like Tenenbaums. Oh, yeah. I love Tenenbaums, I, too. I, I got, it it yeah. was one of those where like every character was really interesting, but very different on their own right. 
Whereas yeah. you find in some of the other ones, you find a lot of similar characters doing similar things. Do do a brother and sister fuck in the movie royal? A uh, brother and sister fuck in the yeah. movie royal. Okay, that's all yeah. I know about that movie. Yeah. But like it's it's they're in love. It's not just it's not yeah, just, it's not gratuitous. It's Sean, not the Brady on. Bunch. <laughs> this is what Wes Anderson does to people that you both are. <laughs> We're both just making you feel weird. <laughs> brother sister fucking. We're making you feel weird for not being into it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the weirdest part about that movie is not that the brother and sister fuck. It's that the Wilson brothers don't play brothers. That is true. Owen Wilson plays a different character to Luke Wilson's brother's family. And then Ben Stiller is one of their brothers, but not. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know where I was going with that, but not is where I'm going to end. <laughs> ben Stiller's there. That we is all a know wild that's a fucking ride. Was it Gene Hackman? Ben, Rushmore is what we're talking about. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. But if we're going into my history with. So Rushmore wasn't the first Wes Anderson movie for me. For me, it was it was Royal Tenenbaums because that was a huge one when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it was on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah, and like you know, we're we're all the same age, so we were roughly twelve years old when that came out. So I was a big Ben Stiller fan at twelve years old. Zoolander was the year before. As you should be. Um, you know, just that makes sense. Who could not love him? So I remember I just watched it because I was just like, oh, this is gonna be like Zoolander. You know, like this is gonna be. <laughs> and it wasn't. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> it wasn't little... Yeah, there's a there's a suicide attempt in it that is very hard to watch. You know, it was just yes. it was not ready at twelve years old. <laughs> but I was also, and I've covered this on the show, where I was definitely turning into more of a like just like a movie snob. And especially in those years when I first started getting into movies, I was just insufferable, where I acted like I knew way more than I did, and I just acted like you know, only artsy movies were anything that was worth watching. And then, you know, I've grown out of that and like Fast and Furious is my favorite franchise in the world. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so it's so good. I, I like to think I threw my film snobbery out the window and I can just enjoy anything that's good. I have no problem with Fast and the Furious, but I've only seen Fast 7. And at this point, I feel like I just can't go back. Like, Dude, I, I kind of love Fast 7 is my favorite one. Is it? Yeah. It was, that was the one we watched. I was worried I wouldn't be able to follow the cerebral storyline. I right. made it through. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. It's, <laughs> it'll get you there. <laughs> Actually, side note about Fast 7. <laughs> when they're about to parachute, we, yeah, I was the moment say, from when they parachute out of, the, out of the airplane with their cars to that scene ending of Paul Walker dangling off the side of a bus might be one of the best action sequences of that decade, in my opinion. One of, one of I, my favorite mov- moments in cinematic history is Dwayne Johnson in an arm ca- full arm cast going to his daughter in the movie, Daddy's got to go to work, and then breaking an arm That's cast. Fast 7. That's Fast. In that same movie, he breaks his arm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, promise you some of those things rocket? you just described. Does he catch a... He might. That's in eight. Wow, guys. He, he redirects a torpedo with his arm because he's like, right, that's not coming towards me. I'm going to send that a different direction. <laughs> I, I don't know if this happens in any of the other Fast films, but I promise you there were action sequences in Fast 7 where I was watching going, I promise you they did that on Power Rangers Turbo. Like, <laughs> like a decade or two prior. Like, you know, just parachuting with cars and all oh, that. Yeah. I, that was like their whole MO. It's like, well, we can make cars do what dinos did. <laughs> so Rushmore. Yeah. <laughs> less, less car chases, but there is a car crash. Do you yeah. remember? This Do you remember? Yeah. So it's, we're we're on topic. We're staying. We're staying. We're staying this is good. this Slow, is considered car crash ever. Just outside of the Canada Fast and Furious <laughs> is Rushmore. Yeah, I think Wes Anderson secretly wants to direct a fast movie. That's how that's... I would direct, like, write a car crash. Make it so they don't actually crash. Make it so they cut the brake line and just slowly <laughs> ascend to a stop. You, like the. <laughs> <laughs> like the Wes Anderson Fast and Furious, like the incredibly fast race of <laughs> what's Vin Diesel's character? Yeah, Dom- yeah. the the fast times of Dom Toretto, <laughs> and it's all clayma- stop motion, yeah, stop clay motion characters. claymation, <laughs> except for Owen Wilson. <laughs> hey, Owen. Oh wow, wow, wow! wow what a great- That's a great idea. Hold on, here's a concept. Ready? We reboot movies, but the main character is a character from another film altogether. Ooh. I like, don't hate that. Oh, like um, hmm. 
Do you want to do multiplicity or cheaper by the dozen? But it's Dom Toretto, <laughs> and we call it Dom a dozen. <laughs> Ooh, a dozen Doms would be my dream. Is, that's a weird way to reboot films. Did we just come up with a new series? Yeah, <laughs> we did. I think, I think we, we did. What if this character was the lead in this movie? All right, so I'm going to um, patent that. I think that's how it works. I just say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, so no, anyone, that's how patenting works. What would, what would you put Max Fisher in? If what I, film would ooh. Max Fisher be great in? Max Fisher should be... Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Ooh. Fuck Tom Hardy, he's out. <laughs> no, because this guy was the be, new Mel Gibson. He'd be driving, he'd be playing the guitar on top. He would also be pulling the lever for the water. That's what Max yeah. would be. Yeah, he'd be in charge of all the extracurricular activities. Exactly. He'd be like, like the worst driver though. He'd be he the would... president of the water distribution club. And the... <laughs> the guy that runs the drug den or that are the humans. <laughs> yeah. He'd also we could put him in Thunderdome as well, because I think I could see oh, him running the 100%. Thunderdome. Should we keep with the name thing? Should he be in the Fisher King? Ooh. That wouldn't work at all. <laughs> A Fisher called Wanda. Oh, oh that's it. <laughs> that's yeah, they have to have a pun name. I think that's yeah, what Yeah, I think that's the, new, that's the new rule. All right, we're going to update the patent real quick. Let's open the books. Um, <laughs> so if any any studios try to steal this, like Disney, uh, like my money, yeah, please. We know you listen, Disney. We already called LegalZoom. <laughs> I love LegalZoom. LegalZoom. All right, I'm going to try to steer... <laughs> Steer this car with no brakes in the right direction here. Are we going? Are we talking about Fast and Furious again? Yeah. No, no, this no, is actually the, Rushmore. This is yeah. legitimately in a scene in Rushmore. <laughs> See, this is why these lines get blurred. They're like essentially the same movie. Yeah, they're very franchise. similar. They're very similar. All right. I'm going to give a little background. You guys can feel free to hop in whenever you like. But like I said, this movie was written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, who they were classmates. I don't know if they grew up together, but the Wilson brothers, and apparently there's a third Wilson brother. I, I didn't even write his name down. Yeah, I think he's in this movie. Is he? I think he's the baseball coach. Oh, snap. Okay. I could be wrong, but you hear it in his voice. Somebody in this movie, toward the tail end of the film, is talking, and it sounds just like a... Because they all sound the same. Like, yeah. Owen's got a little more there, but that's it. They yeah, all... Yeah, they're very, very similar. So, yeah, there's definitely three Wilsons. There's three uh, Hemsworths. Yes, there are, which is crazy. I know. I don't know who the third one is. Uh, uh, the tiny one from Westworld. The guy who's the head of security from Westworld. He plays... Oh. He plays Thor... In the reenactment in Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Luke. Luke, Luke yeah. Because I know Liam. I know I know. there's a little bit of Liam out there. Yeah. But oh, Luke. Fuck, now I almost said Luke Wilson. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. We're really... I'm sorry. So you keep driving this... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this was actually... Even though it's the second movie they made, this was the first movie that they wrote together. This was like, like when they were like, oh, we want to make a movie mm -hmm, one day. Mm -hmm. They wanted to write this because all the Wilson brothers went to like a prep... Is it preparatory school? Preparation yeah, prep school. Prep school. Let's go prep. Prepper private. They, no, one, no one is going to pull you on. Do you know what that actually stands for? <laughs> yeah. All right, Disney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they all three of them went to prep school and just thought it was a weird ass experience. So they were like, we got to make like a, a high school movie, but about a prep school. Owen Wilson actually got kicked out of prep school, similar to Max Fisher, um, just for having bad grades and just not even, he didn't even do anything bad. He just like sucked as a student and they were like, you're embarrassing this whole organization. Uh, so they, they kicked him out and Wes Anderson went to just a regular ass private school. But Max Fisher is kind of him dealing with the kind of person he was at that age mm -hmm. where he found like, he looked back at it years later where he's like, I was pretty insufferable where I was very like narcissistic and thought very highly of myself and very adult of myself. But as I look back, I'm, I realized like how dumb and immature I actually was. So they kind of grew this script out of Wes Anderson making it autobiographical with Owen Wilson adding in his little touches of like remembering stuff from prep school mm -hmm. and what it was like. And then, I mean, this is, and this is pretty funny knowing Wes Anderson's later career, but they kind of described it as they wanted to make a live action movie that felt like it could have been a Roald Dahl book 
which is, you know, the guy who wrote... Yeah, could have. Absolutely. Yeah, everything, which is funny because Fantastic Mr. Fox was... I think Isle of Dogs might have been too, but was definitely a Roald Dahl book. Mm-hmm. So he would later just go on to adapt this guy's books. So oh, yeah, he's, you could see, ah, that's I never thought about that, but you could see those kind of themes and like there's a full. I was talking to Sean about this earlier, um, like a hero's journey, a Harmon story circle for this character at the end. Like he was, he found himself again, and I didn't expect it. I really expected this film to kind of like just throw them into the deep end, loose endings. Yeah. No, it's, again, and that's another way I call this one of his more accessible movies because sometimes yeah. his movies just end and you're like, okay, cool. That was a journey. But Full I, on I expected know. it. Yeah, yeah. Full <laughs> on expected it. So it was pretty cool on that. And so just a little more, a uh, little background facts we got here. So this was, in fact, Jason Schwartzman's first movie. He was actually 17, which is also pretty rare in these movies. I feel like they always go older. They discovered him for it? Yeah. Well, he's he's Hollywood royalty. He's a Coppola. So he's, well, yeah, I... he's got like... So is Nicolas Cage. Yes, exactly. Yes, he is. This is he, fucking great news. I want to say Nicolas Cage. I don't know if it's his uncle. He's Talia Shire's son, who is Adrian in the Rocky movies and Connie yeah. in the Godfather movies. Yeah. So Francis Ford Coppola is literally his like direct uncle. And they apparently they looked at tons of kids for this role and they just couldn't find anybody. And then they were having they went to a party at Sofia Coppola's house. And they met this like weird ass seventeen year old, and they were like, "That's him!" Like this kid, <laughs> like I don't even I don't even know if he was an actor yet, but they were just like, "You're you're doing it." Yeah, like, you're, you're fucking weird. I thought he was great. Oh yeah, no, he like, for the uh, longest time, like this is what this is the role. This is his star vessel. Yeah, I actually thought he was in a lot more stuff than he is because no, when he's I looked not at in a lot when I looked at his thing, I was like, "Oh, it's like almost all Wes Anderson movies." And. Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here's the thing. I was telling Matt, like, it's so funny that I didn't know that this was a Wes Anderson movie. And then when I saw Jason Schwartz, I immediately was like, I'm not going to understand a single fucking minute of this movie. <laughs> Which was true. The minute he popped up, I was like, I'm lost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I, unless I think unless he leads a league of eagle exes, evil exes, you have <laughs> yeah. no idea. But about. even yeah. then, his part, I was like, mm, there's something I'm missing here. <laughs> <laughs> this movie just got real smart all of a sudden. Yeah, I've read the comic books and enjoy this movie. I'm very lost when he shows up. <laughs> he's, like a, he's like a boy for my mental comprehension he's white noise to your brain yes but, yeah the reason i thought and i thought he was more famous because masha watched this with me because for the first normally when we watch movies for this podcast we don't talk at all we okay. just type our notes down because we want to save everything for the microphones so it was just fun to be able to watch a movie and like talk like normal a normal couple and when you're he, welcome when he <laughs> we gave you date night exactly masha actually planned this and when yeah she was like thank god i don't have to fucking do this again <laughs> um I don't and love what you I, love. I was waiting for her to be like, oh my God, it's him. Like, cause I just thought he was like way more famous. And then it took halfway through the movie. She was like, that's the guy from that one episode of Parks and Recreation. And I was just <laughs> like, I was like, I think he's more famous than that. But then I looked it up. I'm like, if you no, don't watch Wes Anderson. Yeah, not really. He's in almost every Wes Anderson movie, but like. He's in that weird pocket of respected in the industry, yeah. but not necessarily a household name. Yeah, yeah. He's not like Jason Lee, like in like a Chipmunks movie, like something that like everybody would have yep. seen, you know? like Jason fucking Lee. Oh. My name is Alvin. I don't know why no one's made that I don't know. little parody yet. <laughs> Wait, what, what was the guy's name? What was like, the, is it John? No, Girl. John. John is Garfield. Oh, what are you talking about? Alvin and the Chipmunks. Dave. 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 Dave yeah, 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 Dave. Sorry. I thought we were talking about my name is Earl for a nope, second. We're, we're back to dogma. Yep. We're back. Which we talked off mic about. So no one has any <laughs> idea that we're back. I'm pretty sure we've been recording since I walked into your apartment. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved you this morning yeah, don't, while you were <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> yeah, don't you, you have a print set up, right? No. <laughs> that everywhere is recording at all times. I snuck into your guys' bedrooms and put lavaliers on you. Just, <laughs> He's a professional. I've been recording ever since. When they wrote this script, they actually wrote Herman Bloom with Bill Murray in mind but almost as a pipe dream where they were like we're never gonna get bill murray because these you know they west anderson wasn't famous yet yeah um and then apparently it was murray's agent who loved bottle rocket read this script and then 
gave it to Bill Murray and was like, dude, you should do this. And Bill Murray was bummed about Hollywood around this time. Like, he was just sick of being Bill Murray. I think that Groundhog Day was probably the last, like, big one he did of, like, a big mainstream comedy. Yeah. And then he was just, like, over it. He's like, I don't want to do these anymore. This is fucking stupid. I'm sick of acting. And then he read the script and he was like, I'm in. He did it for scale, which cost about, which was about nine grand he got paid to do this movie, which is crazy for a 1998 Bill Murray. Like, that's how into it he was, where he was like, I have to do this movie. And then after this, it kind of jump-started his whole second career in indie movies you know yeah. like oh, he's been in so many west and- i think he's been in most of them I, since then i want to say all. i want to say he's in all of them one he has like a cameo like he's only in it for a minute but, but he other- shows up yeah he shows up and, but even like doing like lost in translation like he just did a bunch of movies that was so out of character after this because he was like oh i'm back into acting like this is fun again i don't need to be like the clown well, anymore he's always had but he's always been a clown but he's always had this sense of nihilism to him yeah but in one sense he was always kind of using it to make fun of the establishment whereas the other one he's kind of going through the pain yeah and that's where this start like you saw him he really brought on this idea and he says it and i think that's what gets me is that he just full out said, like, I'm just kind of lonely. Yeah. And then you go, that's what he's been... Because all of a sudden, you see him looking a little bit different throughout the film. He, his hair's messed up. His clothes are a oh, little... Oh, he's in a downward spiral. Exactly. And you don't know what's one. wrong. And eventually, he just says, I'm just a little lonely. And he just... It hurts. It hurts in the feels. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. See, this is this is why I'm a different movie watcher. My favorite part of the part movie was when Bill Murray fell over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. I went classic Bill Murray. That's classic let's Murray. Get, let's get more of that. Yeah, give me a couple more fence jumps, yeah. Murray. Yeah, let's bust the ghost or I'm out of here. Yeah, there's a lot of grass <laughs> there. Something could pop out of. <laughs> let's bust a ghost. Let's bust a ghost. Let's restart his fucking day. Get Groundhog Day going. Come on, yeah. Wes. Shut the fuck up with the smart stuff. I want. To, I need to see him keep living the same dream. Is he, yeah, is, he, is he gonna go into the army and be silly like in stripes? What are we doing? Order, hold. Sasib, pray. Who wanted the chicken cross the road? Take it from the left to the right. Right. Hit. Hit. Hey. He stepped out of range. Got hit by a train. He ain't no chicken no more. No. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not too much other background I have on this. It was a pretty straightforward story of how they made it. Like it was, you know, pretty low budget, but they filmed it in Texas where they filmed most of their stuff because they were all from Texas, okay. which actually I couldn't tell from the scenery in the movie. I had no idea it was Texas. I was, I had like Ohio in my head. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know where the hell they were supposed I, to be I from. I thought they were in Queens at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it did look like they were in Queens at one point, they didn't it? It like they were in like the Forest Hills area where yeah. they, they were outside of like the, uh, like where there was housing and stuff. It looked yes. like condos in Forest Hills. It really did. Okay, I'm not going crazy. <laughs> I am, but nothing to do with this. Um, <laughs> that, this movie could have taken place on Mars. I have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> Why do you think you got so stalemated? Because you said it in the, on the way over here that you've i felt stupid for feeling like i understood the film and you felt stupid because you felt like you didn't understand the film but we both understood the film yeah it's not like he, overly complicated well here's but the you feel here's like it the should thing. be yeah here's the thing with the wes anderson film i think it's because i've participated in like high art in like the classical world of music mm-hmm. for so long that it's that weird thing when you st- like you were saying when you're like younger or you're just getting into something that when you see something that's like high art you know there's a deeper meaning because that's the whole fucking point yeah. is like ob- obstructing and being obtuse about something, right? Mm-hmm. So when I see Wes Anderson, the way he shoots is so visually engaging where it's like the fir- one of the first shots that happens is like they're doing the math test, right? And it's a straight shot at the thing. And then the camera itself moves as the posi- – like uh, what I assume is like – 
the perspective of a student that looks over at the extra credit. Yeah. The extra credit thing and then shoots back. The I'm not even kidding you. The minute that happened, there's like I was like, all right, shit. I like put my hands down. I was like, all right, let me fucking focus because something's <laughs> about to go down that I'm not gonna get about this Wes Anderson thing where I'm like, because this can't just be about nihilism and an aesthetic that I don't fucking understand. <laughs> so that's what happens when I watch these movies. Is like, and then of course seeing Jason Schwartz, I was like, we're gone. I don't know what's going on. I'm always <laughs> yeah. like, is he like an allegory for like the idea of Jesus Christ? <laughs> but like, so I, and it's 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 you're it's setting yourself up to over, yeah because yeah, like, you're overthinking. Like if you just went into this and, and said, watched like, it, I would have been like, great movie. But I was like, some. But like Anderson's even if the film was on. to that level of you know who is Jesus Christ and why are they baking pancakes like those kind of higher level metaphors. Which by the way, I think that is the ascension. That's, is, yeah, that was. And, what, honestly, I think that's what Mel Gibson tackled the Passion it, of the Christ. It's, it's honestly, if we're going to talk about Jesus making pancakes, that's clearly Uncle Buck. Just to make yeah, sure well, we're well, on well, the same. You're point. absolutely right. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. <laughs> Not John Candy specifically. No, yeah. Because um, we never got Uncle Buck too, and that was the biggest tragedy of his passing. <laughs> of our, but like, I'm kidding. I, I love John Candy. Yeah, John Candy I think a movie like this is really rich because there might be a huge underlying story, but like if the story is so simple, you can actually see the character go through something. I almost feel like, oh, I just enjoyed it for what it was, and now I feel like an idiot because I know that there should be something underneath it, but I completely... Like, you step back and you go, oh, you know what? He just kind of blatantly... said, Like, it's almost too... His cards are too laid out on the table. Like, again, Bill Murray blatantly says, I'm lonely. Yeah. And he goes, well, he didn't have to say that. He could have just shown it, kept doing what they was were doing. Was that before or after he fell over the fence? Oh, it was much after. Okay, yeah. That's That was like the big sec. So I was like, I was reveal. still laughing about the fence. So I <laughs> yeah, I was everything. rewinding it. The movie for me was four and a half hours long because <laughs> I just watched Bill Murray fall over a fence. <laughs> But like it's not. You could this- also watch that in GIF form, and you don't have to rewind it over and over. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's doing. He, he watched it on a VHS as well. He burnt that <laughs> oh, section of the yeah, film. Yeah. I actually have a reel-to-reel version <laughs> of it that Wes sent me that I just had to hand crank back. I just, I, I thought the film itself was so good because the story, like, like you said, like you brought this character full circle, and so it could have been really unsatisfying. Yeah. But at least it took you on the journey. Yeah. The whole, and it could have brought you to the end and like had nothing resolved or. Yeah, I do think when you boil it down, it's a pretty simple movie that's kind of only about three characters and they're all like half broken and half lost. And it's just like these weird relationships that they all make with each other. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Jason Schwartzman, uh, Olivia Williams, Williams, Olivia Williams and um, Bill Murray, because they're they're three very weird people to make a triangle friendship slash love. It's actually not a weird story, right? You have this guy meets a girl, falls in love with her. His friend tries to help him woo her, but he falls in love with her. But then when you add in that one of them is a student at a school, the other one is the teacher. And the third is the parent of another kid that went to the school and an alumni. Yeah, it's the age dynamic that makes it super. It makes it weird. And. Honestly, this is the first time since I watched it where I had this thought where I was like, I never really thought about how much Max Fisher puts into like getting a girl. Like as as sophisticated as he likes to pretend he is an adult, he's very obsessed with getting a girl and also just basically having sex. Like, you know, like it's it's a lot of, you know, telling people that he got hand jobs mm-hmm. and like he's not he's not old boy shit. Yeah, so I'm like this isn't that far off from American Pie. Like of him, of just a story about a 17 year old who was trying to get laid before he graduates high school. If Finch went to Rushmore, went to Rushmore, that's what American Pie would have been. <laughs> he is it, was it Finch? Was that the character's yeah, name? Finch yeah, was the, yeah. Finch. Yeah, guys, like, we're, we're in my world now. Yes, Finch was that character. <laughs> He's like, actually, it was Shitbreak, if you remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Like, if the character was a little less, because that's what it is. The characters, all of them, are kind of 
not terribly relatable, but the circumstances and the wants and the goals are. Yeah, exactly. So it was a very weird world, but it was so, I was just like, holy shit, this is very similar to American Pie, which came out the next year. So it was very funny of just being like the yeah. biggest team. Co- it's a team comedy like at the end of the day. It's like a high school team oh, comedy. Yeah. But instead of doing push-ups and, you know, getting a hot new car or some new clothes, this guy builds an aquarium yeah. to get <laughs> yeah. the girl. And he saves the Latin club. So yes, after like, trying to dismantle the Latin club. Yeah, he was literally... That, lit- was, that, that part to me was very funny because it's like, it's that weird thing where he establishes himself as something that like way older and like, like I, my, one of my favorite parts of the movie, because I was still, I was still hanging on for my life, uh, was when they rifled through whole, all of the things he does was so good. Like it, all the favorite, different clubs, when it became the Max Fisher theater troupe, I was like, I uh, get, no, was it like the Max Fisher players, players the Max players, Fisher players. Drama? but that's very Wes Anderson to have like a successive list of like, so this character did this and here's a throwback of XYZ baby. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things that become staples in his movies, also including someone writing a letter and then you seeing them write, like, you seeing the start of the letter with their voiceover reading it. Hey, they've sent us some kind of communique. Dear homeowner, can we kill you? The murderers. Dear murderers, no, you may not. The homeowner. And then it immediately cuts away. It's very jarring. (laughs) But yeah, absolutely, it kind of gives you trust. Like, and you actually, as an adult, look back as a kid. If I would have watched this in '98, or I mean, I would have been eight. So, yeah, I, I a couple years later, <laughs> I watched it when I was eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got more of it then than I did. You were like <laughs> the fence. The fence thing real worked when I was eight. Worked yeah, real good. I actually have a review. You can go to my eight-year-old blog. <laughs> You're like mm, he had a zanga about it at the down. time. Yeah, <laughs> old man falls down. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Jesus? Question mark. <laughs> I, I, I feel like as a kid, I would have been like, oh, I would love to be that ambition where you not go. And then as an adult, you go, I, there's not a. I understand why he's failing class my god yeah exactly that is pretty funny too yeah i did I why do- did brian cox have a stroke like why was he like the whole the headmaster of the school like why was i don't know like, <laughs> the, 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 like why was that character even so fleshed out they could have just had a headmaster who was you know a little bit ornery or you know maybe a little bit compassionate being like hey i know we brought you to school but you're not doing your work we're gonna expel you why did he have to have this whole deep backstory where he goes full have you ever heard the story of when um oh my god mel blank went into a coma and they couldn't wake him up. Mel Blanc was the gentleman who was all the Looney Tunes. Yep. He voiced Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. He did it all. And he, they couldn't get him to wake up. And eventually the doctor goes, hold on, let me try something. Bugs? And Mel responded as Bugs Bunny. Oh, snap. I've never And that's heard what that. they do in this film. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> headmaster has a stroke. Max shows up and goes, Fisher. <laughs> He's like, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. But why did that Why did that subplot even exist? I don't know. It was probably one of my favorite comedy scenes in the, in the movie. So I was laughing. It so. was hilarious, but it didn't further the plot. <laughs> no. And that, honestly, again, one of the parts I like the most. <laughs> Anything that sets the plot back for me. Oh. I'm like, you didn't know that Mel Blanc story? That's a good no, one. No, I never heard yeah, that one. It, yeah. They, I don't know if it's lore or not, but all voiceover artists know it. It's one of those. Yeah. They were coming so like, "Hey, bugs!" And he like comes like, "Yeah, what's up, Doc?" <laughs> it's like he wakes up from. He this just pulls a carrot out. You're like, "Where did that come from?" And then the fucking <laughs> somebody lowers it down on a. Scrim. And he gets pulled through a golf hole, and it becomes Space Jam. That's oh, with, that's with LeBron James. So based, they had to have like 14 people replace him to play in Space Jam. Oh, really? Like, what's it? Um, Billy West, who's like one of the best yeah. voice actors. He did only Fry two of the roles. And, uh, Futurama. Fry and Futurama, Doug, Ren and Stimpy. Red Eminem. Red Eminem. His yeah. best work. Absolutely. Yeah. With John Goodman's yellow Eminem, if you guys didn't know that. Oh. No. Yeah. That's not John Goodman. It's not? No, that's J.K. Simmons. Oh, wait. Really? 100%. Uh, I don't know about now, but. I'm Googling it right give now. Give it a Google. This, this is so worth it. We Google. need to figure this out. So Rushmore. Who's the green Eminem? 
Uh, Vivica A. Fox. Because we need to talk. That was about just a guess. Ow. That yeah. was just a guess. We need to Let talk me know about who... how turned on oh, I was. Oh shit! You were right. By a well, green who's the green one now? Oh man. I just took a full-on guess. It's Vivica A. Fox. Oh, I thought you were. I believed you, man. You're... I believed me too, but I can. Be... Oh shit! It's Cree Summer, who is a very uh, uh, famous uh, Susie Carmichael. Susie Carmichael on the Rugrats. Exactly. Oh, yeah. A lot of other things, but yeah, that's one of her main. We got to talk about how problematic Cleo... is no, not that I was Cleo into Pedro. that. Very into that M&M. <laughs> well, I it's, mean, it's Cree Summers. That's Foxy Love. To be fair, the commercials made it very easy to be into that M&M. She yeah. was always by a roaring fire, like mm-hmm. just real sexy stuff. Guys, topless. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it now, and I want it to be recorded forever. I'd fuck that M&M. <laughs> I'm going to say this on recording. I've watched him fuck that M&M. <laughs> yes. Not I would watch him. I have <laughs> I watched yeah. him. I had to. He had to. <laughs> it was- I, needed a, I needed a witness. <laughs> So real quick, just because you could probably tell this if you're a regular listener to our show, we're not going our our full normal structure here. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna forego any spoiler section because I don't think this is the kind of movie that lends itself to that. No. Um, but just for the sake of our timestamp and Masha putting in our fun transition sound, let's oh. uh, say we're jumping into the plot right now. And Bam. that was all. Pre, gonna, pre the, the the sound is bam bam It's actually a sexy song that the uh, that the green Eminem dances to. So oh, it's like, uh, please don't play it now because we who knows what oh, will happen. Oh snap! Sorry guys, we are not jumping into it yet. From 1995 <laughs> to 1996, the voice of the yellow Eminem was John Goodman. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And during those years, the red Eminem was John Lovitz. Oh, <gasps> what? I didn't John know that Square. at all. Yeah, we got we got we got a deep dive into this. So Are we starting a new podcast? <laughs> J.K. Simmons does it currently, but for yeah, I guess for a year, which I want to say was probably when it started. I feel like were the Eminem's talking a lot pre nineteen ninety five? Yeah, pre ninety five. I don't know, but yeah, I, rem- I remember the Eminem. They just had him laying out there for forty five seconds. I remember, <laughs> I remember them making Santa pass out. You know that? That's, yeah. They do exi- I remember that in the nineties. That was I, classic. That could be, I could be way wrong, but I remember that. Oh man. Wow. And then a bunch of non-famous people played Orange and Blue, so we're not even going to go into that. Yeah, who that. fucking cares oh about my those God. two clowns. I played oh, the, dude, the Cerulean Eminem. Eminem's was... the TV series has nope, an IMDb nope, page. Nope, nope, Oh, man, oh. we are. Eminem's oh. has a better IMDb page than I do. Does that upset anybody else? <laughs> that you get your, your list of performance and professional entertainment credits are lower than a completely nutrient-less food stuff. <laughs> All right, last deep dive on it. So it started, the commercial started in 95. The first year was John Lovitz and Goodman. Then 96 onward, it was Billy West and J.K. Simmons. Uh, so you were mostly right. It's been it's been J.K. Simmons. Well, we, neither of us knew the John Lovitz thing. I no, knew, I no I knew the Billy West relationship, yeah, yeah. but I didn't know the other one at all. Fantastic. And of course, Danny DeVito cast as the human form of the Red Eminem. If we really obviously, don't remember that obviously. But we, we all know that that was <laughs> less. That was less that, a cast. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a less a casting and more yeah. a formality. Um. I know I don't edit this podcast, but Masha, don't you dare cut out any of this Eminem talk. <laughs> or, or wait, Masha, here's an idea. Three-minute episode. <laughs> just about yeah, the bonus. Eminem. Love what I love, Eminem commercials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right. I'm Jewish, and I love all those damn Christmas commercials. <laughs> yeah. Not once have I ever seen someone drop an Eminem on top of each one on the menorah candles. Are there eight colors of Eminems? That would be pretty cool. I there might. Know. There's definitely more than eight kinds of Eminems. Yeah, that's true. You could, you know, peanut. Coffee, peanut, honey coffee nut, caramel. Yeah. Oh, Pre- the spicy one? Pretzel and then Pretzel Crunch, which is a separate And thing. there's Crunch on its own as well. Reese's. I did, a, I did a film gig once doing a commercial at the Mars Factory. It was one of the most magical places I've ever been. Oh, wow. <laughs> they took us into where they make the M&Ms, uh-huh. and I got to have a right off the machine 
Wow. Uh, peanut M&M covered in chocolate, but not yet candy. <gasps> and they were warm. And it was the most delicious thing I ever ate in my life. Those are goobers. We just described goobers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was warm. It was what? <laughs> but it wasn't melting. It was very magical. I thought they were hatched from M&M chickens. They... Yeah, that's... that's. The... I had to sign an NDA, so that may or may not be true. <laughs> but I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you if that's true. Yeah, Mosh, don't cut any of this. Uh... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's dive in starting now. Yeah, so we're not going to go full on like plot by plot, but I'll, I'll kind of just jump around to important scenes. We kind of already talked about this opening dream sequence. You get it laid out what kind of personality Max has where he wants, he, he does all these things to be a very high flutin person in the world of Rushmore of starting all these clubs, but he never gets any kind of like respect or admiration, especially not from his teens. From his teens. No, from his teens. That's what we call yep. our contemporaries or yes. our teens. Right. Like, you're my teen. Yes. You're my yeah. teen. <laughs> uh, so he has this big dream where he solves the world's hardest math problem, which might be a Goodwill Hunting reference because that was the year before, but I don't actually mm. know. Um, that was the only thing that threw me because initially I thought like, oh, this where are they going to go with this? And then they took it back and I was like, oh, okay, so he's a bit of a slacker. But then he wasn't a slacker as well. Yeah, he's like, he's a slacker in a weird in certain parts of his life, and then other parts, he takes it way too seriously. Well, think about it. I mean, who hasn't been in this position? He competes for status. Yes. And he only goes to the path of, path of least resistance. And so he's not going to study for something. But if there's something that he can jump into right now and grab that acclaim for, he's going to run with it. Yeah. When he knows when you look back at a Rushmore yearbook, it's, everyone's grades aren't going to be listed there, but their curricular activities are. Yeah. I mean, similar, like we were talking off mic, you know, we all went to high school together. I showed Masha our high school yearbook and you guys are on every fourth page. <laughs> yes. Because you were very loud. And, <laughs> and, and, and honestly, grades comparable to, <laughs> yeah, to the <laughs> amount of time was on there. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Not but great. Like, yeah, it didn't say your, your GPA above your, your name. It just said that you guys were in plays and clubs. And Could you imagine if that was a... I have an app for when we do YouTube work called TubeBuddy. And, uh, it, and it rates uh, a percentage of likes to dislikes. And so you could be a positive with a green or a neck. Could you imagine if your GPA was just on there with <laughs> yeah. like a color coding of terms of where you rank? Imagine if it wasn't alphabetical in terms of where your picture fell. <laughs> yeah. It was just literally ranked GPA? by GPA. Oh, like man. it was it was it's just a pyramid. <laughs> you wouldn't know you're the top of the class until the yearbook came out. Oh man, yeah, that would people would be at each other's throats, I think. Yeah. It'd be pretty great. I, I would still be wearing chicken costumes. Yeah, I don't know, because there's a whole there's a whole world of people that go, if they would have taught me this in high school, it would have been better off. I wouldn't I still probably wouldn't have listened they could have taught me exactly what i needed to know to survive but at the time i don't remember what were you like in high school in terms of listening in class uh i was okay i was definitely a solid like i i, I was always like an 86 kind of guy that was kind was of it, was it a without trying 86 uh I, I, no that was that's pretty much the, the extent <laughs> of my like, ability i was breaking hard sweats <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> hard fucking sweats for that 86 <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it was certain things like when it came to math, I was just a shit show. Mm -hmm. I remember one year I was in a class, and this means nothing to our listeners, but you guys remember Rob Regan was in my class, and oh me, him, and, and one other student were just so bad that the teacher literally moved our three desks to the corner, and she was just gave up on us. She's like, "You guys can just hang in that corner, just, just chill out, talk to each <laughs> other. You're not getting any of this. You're not you're not gonna set the world on fire math wise." And she <laughs> was right. They gave you a Jacob's ladder play toy. Here's a clacker. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Don't make too much noise. Yeah, so I don't know. I was average to below average in the grade department. Yeah, yeah play pretty... Monopoly. Maybe you'll buy a building and make <laughs> yeah, it. <so>. Exactly. <laughs> Just go watch a movie, you nerd. Uh, and that's <laughs> what I do. But that's what it was like. That was the whole thing. Like, it starts with him having this vision of just elevated status in an area where he doesn't have any elevated status, which is the academics. Yeah. And he also goes with his elevated status by 
almost like you know he lies to everybody about what his father does yeah. his dad's a barber and he's ashamed of that so he tells him he's a, everyone he's a neurosurgeon mm. and he's always just trying to act like he belongs in these worlds where on paper or like if you're just breaking people down by class he wouldn't be he, he wouldn't be a rushmore elite so therefore he does everything he can to be a rushmore elite mm-hmm. by doing all these crazy clubs and that crazy montage of like French and yeah, fencing yeah. and oh, exactly. yep. so good. Oh, it's amazing. Like he likes the allure of an intellectual, yeah, and allure of the clout of saying I'm a Rushmore alumni. But his yeah, his best friend is a is a young boy, way younger than him. Dirk Calloway, <laughs> cinematic classic of a character. Oh, and yeah, like we're we're just seeing his kind of like daily life. You could tell that he's always a thorn in Brian Cox's side, Doctor Guggenheim. You know he. Can I jump a gun? I got to jump yeah. a plot point. Oh, let's jump. Why does it matter that he's going to, that he is encroaching on failing out of the school? I, I get that. Like, okay, so the idea is that if he's, you know, the academic probation's there and if he fails another class, he's out. Yeah. That sets up a lot for the story and who he is for a character. But then he just gets kicked out because of the damn aquarium thing anyway. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't even make a difference. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, pick one. <laughs> I think it's more to show, like, how he. He got kicked out for what he liked, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, he's going to do what he wants to do no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so he would have got kicked out for the grades if he didn't fall for uh, Rosemary, Olivia Williams' character, and then just go full hog. He, it's like he took all that energy that he would put into clubs into her. It's exactly it, what he yeah, did. Yeah, and then, you know, in a borderline creepy way, but then he also kind of reminds her of her dead husband. So it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little creepy on both ends. Cause it was weird when he started referring to her dead husband by his full name. Yeah, that was weird. And you know I, who I this mean, sounds a lot like? Who's that? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This <laughs> is not a Jesus. I'm pretty sure it is. No matter what Jesus did, he would have met the same fate. We, we're, and he you're impregnated gonna get us 2004, You're going to get us 2004 canceled. It's very different than canceled is now, but you're going to get us 2004 canceled. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna get his Dixie chick canceled, and I don't, yeah. want, I don't want that. I, I, I look suddenly the Westboro Baptist Church is now listening to this podcast with posters being made in the middle. Honestly, bring them on. I love those guys. I would love, I love me and Louis guys. Thoreau are gonna just discuss it with them. Yes, uh, but yeah, I do. That was one of the things that I did again. I was watching, I was like, what did I miss here? Like, what, what is the story that I'm missing here? That I was like, they set up this big thing, and then they're like, you tried to build an aquarium, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I guess he kind of set and himself up that he was damn the bad. The big away. thing that I noticed it was the it was the thing that I would recognize that I was like, oh, this is something that is very important. Is that the Gilmore Girl was in the movie? Wait, I don't. I've never seen the Gilmore Girls. Which I one is you that? You were a huge fan of the Gilmore. Girls. No. <laughs> he, he meant- I mean, I have this poster behind me that's eight feet long, and it's for the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> so in the car, Sean mentions this, and I, he's like, which one? And I eventually, I knew the actress's name. But I, he then goes, oh, Mavra's a huge fan of the Gilmore <laughs> no, Girls. <I'm> <laughs> I've never seen a, a moment of the Gilmore Girls, <laughs> and with with cash with casual certainty, I said, "Yeah, Mavra's a huge fan. He's gonna know exactly what I'm talking about." <laughs> well, yeah, she's in the movie, Alexis, the Gilmore Girl, Alexis Bledel. Wait, but who is she in the movie? She's just sitting next to him when he go when he goes to the high school. She's Look, an extra. I oh. was, I was positive that there's a scene of his first rehearsal like this two guy i think it's like a serpico rehearsal scene yeah i was positive oh, I that lo- it was um the oh god play. what's his name dennis reynolds what's the actor's name oh um uh shit ryan reynolds no um i know his name it's not rob it's not rob mckinley it's not uh charlie day it's not charlie day it's the third Ooh, it one should be charlie day though charlie day rob charlie one. rob charlie and Oh no! I know this is so upsetting. I know this is so. Uh, I'm, I'm little, so sad that I have to. I'm type disappointed it in, right in now. myself. 
It's it's the girl or the mom? The, the girl. The I think, I think he's girl. saying that she was an act, uh, extra in the background, like at yeah. the school. She was sitting right next to him. Glenn Howerton. Glenn, was he in this movie? No. Come on, give it a cross check. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, we, don't we, give up before googling. We've had our we've had our ups and downs with the M M&M and M actors, so. We, <laughs> <laughs> but like there's this, and like it probably wasn't him. Like looking back in retrospect, but I could have sworn that it was him. Fun fact about the Gilmore Girls: I drink out of a Luke's mug every morning. It's a mug that my mother and sister own because they're big fans of it. I don't know what it means. I think it's a Gilmore Girls reference, and that's my extent of it. We have gotten so out. so. You were talking about the plot of Rushmore, yeah. <laughs> and also I figured out Glenn Howerton is not in Rushmore. Confirmed by Amazon Prime. Uh, yes. Beautiful. You got it. She was credited as student. <laughs> as a Gilmore Girl. Good for you, Peter. <laughs> yeah, she was her, her her name is Gilmore Girl and she was credited as Gilmore Girl. That's how Girl. you know you're famous because she was credited for being an extra in the scene. Yeah, they had to look it up. Nice. Did we figure out if it was Glenn Howard in this it's movie? Not. It is not, yeah. Idiots! Sandwiches, idiots! Idiots! But apparently he played Dick Ebersol in a movie called Monday Night Mayhem in 2002. And that's what? You know, I'm sure you know who that is from yeah, SNL yeah. and all that stuff. But that 80s show was his big uh, his big claim to fame in the beginning of his career. That 80s show. Oh, my yeah. God. That's right. That 80s show. Yeah, was it big... wasn't good, but it, it, no. was, it was around. But so was What's-Her-Name, the one from Grey's Anatomy that was in Not Another Teen Movie. Uh, uh, the, she's Lexi Gray on the show. Yes. Uh, Ca- Cassidy, Casey. The one who's on Supergirl now She's on well. Supergirl now. We, what, that's not the point. Not the point of any of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so oh, I, I think the problem we're having here is that Rushmore is a strong character-driven piece, and we are a bunch of assholes. Yes, yeah. This, like I said, this, this is what you're getting, guys. You, you can turn it off. It's free. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. You're not paying for this. I got to tell you, though, I love the movie. <laughs> nice. Like, leaving it? Like, let's get to the let me tell you, get to the point here. I was surprised by how much I love the movie. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. And just, yeah, just so you know how off structure we are going, we usually end the podcast with me asking if you love the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but we got, we'll keep, we'll keep it a half surprise. And we'll see, the, we'll see how Sean These feels. episodes are like it's... an hour and five minutes each, and I have an exactly 58 minute attention span. So I have no idea how you, you guys know. round out. <laughs> And I, I appreciate that you call it an hour and five minutes because we've gone two oh five sometimes <laughs> in certain movies. So it's <laughs> it's real, it's real crazy. Um, I'll look at my notes here and I'll, I'll try to get us back on on track. You're doing great. You're doing but great. yeah, I kind of the one of the things that I noticed about Max is that like he doesn't really have his own belief system where it's it's all kind of based on his own little narcissistic world of wanting to be accepted and praised. And the thing we talked about was the Latin thing was exactly that where. He finds out Latin's getting canceled, and he's mad because he said he tried to do it five times and yeah. never never succeeded. But then when he meets Rosemary, she loves Latin, and then he immediately just goes out of his way to get Latin reinstated. Which is, you know, smarter people. I didn't come up with this myself, but I was reading a little bit about this movie, and kind of smarter critics than me kind of put it together. Where, for him, Rosemary was kind of replacing his dead mother in his mind, mm. the same way he was kind of almost replacing her dead husband. And so I thought it's ironic that the thing that almost brings them together is him bringing back a dead language because they're almost like resurrecting each other's dead life partner. Isn't This is circling back around to what the fuck I said at the beginning of this thing. <laughs> every time I see a Wes Anderson film, they're like, I am missing something so critical. Yeah, and I read well, that in a book. So I'm, I didn't even come up word, with that. Word, yeah, well, books the, are for the, fucking nerds. So <laughs> then Sean, you're going to hate this thought that I just had. Oh, God. Well, think about it. Yeah. So you have Max Fisher, who, by the way, clearly grows up to be a supervillain. Yeah. He is remarkably capable without any focus or passion. He becomes, yeah. he becomes Zach's char- Zach Quinto's character in Heroes. <laughs> oh, easy. I, he could become Gru from 
the Despicable Me films for the. But, or it honestly could just be a prequel to Scott Pilgrim. Like he could easily. be Gideon, like Gideon but, Gray. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Where I'm getting at is think about it. So the first thing outside of grades, right? So putting effort into getting good grades at school. He he dreams of being innately good at everything. Yes. So that's what the 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 math dream is. It's not that he studied hard to be it. It's that he was naturally so good at math. He didn't have to put this effort in, but could solve these unsolvable equations. So out of the gate, one of the first things we see is him not being able to cancel Latin. Like Latin gets canceled, but it wasn't that his his doing. Yeah. So that megalomania comes out. But then the one thing that promotes him to finally get over that hurdle is this woman. Yes. So now suddenly he goes, there's nothing that can stop him. So the only things he never accomplishes are the ones are like getting this girl. Yeah. And, you know, or even just like making like real connections with people that you're supposed to at that age. Like, yes, he makes connection with Bill Murray, but that's a weird connection for a 17 year old to make. Like, you know, he does. He just can't even make like a normal friend. No, you know, even Dirk, like who they do have a real friendship, but he's still what eight years younger than him. You know? But there's still a status play. Like he's still like there. It's never really resolved if he is trying to get with his mother. Or not. Yeah, that's true. I don't believe he got the hand job. No, he definitely didn't get the hand. Let's job. not explain the hand job part. Go watch the movie. Yeah, you fucks. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Was that too much? Ooh, not enough. <laughs> I don't. I feel like we need to berate my audience more. So if, if you want, yeah, if you guys could please send your pictures into whatever Mavra has, so we could just judge your physical appearance. Exactly. You know That'd what, Masha, do me a favor. Just blur out this entire sentence, so it seems like I'm just flinging curses at the audience. Um, They'll be confused no, that's, as to why that is a censored. great. That is a great point. Um, yeah, like the only thing that stopped him, like he had this. You see him hit an obstacle early on that you didn't see him hit earlier. And then he's like, oh, well, now I have this new incentive. I'll overcome it. He's literally able to overcome everything that comes his way. Yeah. But his focus is so myopic on himself. He's going to grow up to be a supervillain. Yeah. Easily. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think he is Gideon from Scott Pilgrim. I think he might Ooh, be. Yeah. What would be the middle movie in that trilogy? It would have to be when he dates somebody. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be him meeting Ramona Flowers and then becoming crazy and then forming the League of Evil Exes. Because yeah. I could believe that he wouldn't have the social interaction to make Ramona stay in love with him, but he would also have the crazy planning to then get all her exes yeah. together and form an evil league. He would have all the capability to get her there. Yeah, and and he would figure out how to get that mind control device thing on the back of her head. At the Did end we of the just movie. come up with a film theory? I think so. Oh my god, I'm calling Matt Pat. Do it. Um. <laughs> he listens. <laughs> He's a Disney. Big fan. Um, but Dis- to, Disney to make it a little more fun. So the reason I kind of picked this movie for both you guys is a just the it is at the end of the day it is a comedy. It's a very yeah. weird comedy, it's, but it's it fun. is one, and that's kind of like how the three of us connect. I think is through comedy. Just mm-hmm. we all love watching comedy, making comedies. We made some skits in the past together, and so I was kind of trying to lean towards Sean with I don't know how how Sean how much you're into like the kind of dry humor that this movie has. Like, for me, one of the funniest moments is Bill Murray trying to hit his kid in the backseat of the car. Oh, like, yeah. Um, I was a- After that, that pause. That yeah. is the hardest I laughed in the movie is silence and then him <laughs> swinging his hand back. Exactly. That, and then even just little things, like when the Scottish guy says something to, the Scottish student says something to Max and he goes, is that Latin? <laughs> you know, like little things like that. I was just like, that's hysterical there's, to me. There's another go with Bill Murray with his kids when they're in the elevator. He's smoking. The, he's like, where'd you get the shiner? It was Donnie. Or Ronnie, I can't, I can't tell them apart anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted, I was trying to connect to you, Sean, a little on there, hoping you would find the, you know, I knew that some parts of it you'd be like, whatever, I don't know, someone, but I knew people also fall over fences, so it would get oh, you. God. And then More Matt, that, I was please. hoping to connect with you on the kind of putting on plays aspect of this whole thing. Just, you know, we never even got, we haven't discussed the plays at no, all. No, I love the choices of 
plays that this kid puts on. He picks on very gritty movies. You want to know are- why I think he's going to be a supervillain? I'm thinking about this now. It's because he did not write Serpico. <laughs> no. He just literally he adapted cha- it. <laughs> he adapted it into a play. And he goes, "I wrote an a, a hit play. A hit play. That's what he keeps like he he fucking." Fights that kid backstage for skipping a line. Oh my god, that was so it's the, funny. That that part that was me when I was watching it. I was like, I again when I watch Wes Anderson movies, I'm sitting with my hands across my chest, and my my hand, my dead neck, center on the couch. Cra- yeah, yeah, perfect symmetry. You make everything just symmetrical completely. Yeah. <laughs> completely symmetrical. I'm looking, and then. He decks that kid backstage. Essentially, a kid messes up a line in, in the, the fucking play. Yeah. And he gets, he's like, don't mess with my words. He's like, don't fuck with my play. And then he decks him. I went, oh, <laughs> this is a different movie. I'm into it. Get Dom Toretto. <laughs> uh, wait, how could Dom Toretto fit into this? But also, like, because like I said, uh, this is like a high school kind of teen coming of age comedy. But I think it was a deliberate choice to make it R-rated because it didn't really need to be R-rated. There's a couple of F-bombs, but outside of that, there's really nothing no, that for, couldn't for have made the 90s? This... For the late 90s, I guess. But I think so because they say fuck a couple times, but outside of that, like there's nothing. Un- unless it's because you have this bit of a relationship between, between an, adult an adult and, and a child. child. That's yeah. the only thing I could think of. I mean, even though it's not really a, a relationship that goes anywhere, yeah, it's like, not even to the point where they the, need The movie consent. does end with, at least I had the question like, they gonna fuck? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, like, they clearly had a big group sex they, orgy where, like, they like uh, when they do like the last dance. Yeah, I was like, they gonna fuck? They are not gonna fuck. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's like a good. I think it's like a goodbye dance. What if they had sex and Dom Toretto was their kid? Whoa! What are you kidding? Tell me this is the inception point. <laughs> this is so. The- by that logic, Vin Diesel is younger than Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, yes. By that logic, the Iron Giant hasn't come out in their world. Yeah, or Saving Private Ryan. Because we all know that Dom Toretto is Vin Diesel. There is no... They yeah. are the same human. No, yeah, he's... I've seen it There's got to be a six degrees of separation that makes that not work. <laughs> wait, so wait, hold on. What do we need? Jason Swart- Swart- Schwartzman to Vin Diesel? Mm-hmm. Whoa, does that make Dom Toretto a member of the Coppola family? Is he related to the Godfather somehow? Well, you know wait, what? Well, not because you know you know for Dom Toretto, it's all about family. Exactly. It's Guys, all about family. Why? First of all, that is definitely an indication that he is a Coppola. Third, third, they do take care of each other. Yes, they do, and they none of them have the Coppola name, which is a Coppola thing yeah. to do. Except Sophia, but she was his daughter. Yeah, so that, she gets, yeah. she gets the pass. She gets it. Why she is Nick, to be married? By why now. is yeah. Nicolas Cage not in the Fast and Furious franchise? <sighs> he would be the great end villain. Yeah. And then, you know, judging by the, how those movies work, that'd be great because then movie after that, he's part he's of the team. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's part of the team. We get shot. I we think get, that's why. We that's get probably why shot. they didn't do it. They don't want him part of the team. They just want him as a... <laughs> they'll they'll like, have to kill like, him. listen, we won't know how to write this script because he's going to be too much of a wild card every single time. <laughs> I, what I want is Hobshaw's and Cage where all three <laughs> oh, of them team up Hobbs and then and, and fight Superman Ildris Alba. <laughs> well, no, I got it. He's going to be called... What was it? Cage Calvins and it'll be Calvin and Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> Cage Calvin. <laughs> Calvin Hobbs. And he wears a tiger suit the whole time. What was the movie where Z- Xander Cage? What was that movie? Triple uh, X. Yeah, Triple X. Which hard. is Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. it's Vin Diesel. Dom I'm Toretto. Tra- Dom, yeah, Dom, Dom Toretto as Vin Diesel as. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically I think what we're learning is Wes Anderson is the Fast and Furious of art films. I, I think what we're learning is that we should have been talking about Wayne's World this whole time because <laughs> we would have been able to stay on track a lot easier. <laughs> 
Oh man, this is great though. I'm loving. I'm loving this. <laughs> Poor Masha. Like, like we talk about. You're gonna nothing. be like, what do I keep in? And I'll be like, everything. We've talked. We like we've been doing this. Well, since like episode. I said, welcome to creating content with Matt and Sean. Talk about nothing for a while. Deep introspection on the character arcs. Talk about nothing for a while. Yep. You shall not pass, wizard. Talk about nothing for a while. <laughs> we were talking about the plays though, and and the Serpico aspect of it all. Yeah, and, and I forget what the other ones he does. I mean, the end. I know it's the gritty Vietnam one, but I think I he does another the one, movie. Yeah, there's one he does where he's literally cholo style it's just oh, yeah. he doesn't even do the kiss he goes can i get a kiss baby he goes and then i get a kiss and then we're out all right yeah. perfect uh yeah because that's that's another thing of just him being so like he has this girl margaret yang who's like clearly into him the whole movie yeah her, but her, her introduction scene is i'm into you and he's like not about it <laughs> yeah and he's just like i i'm way too sophisticated for this teenage things but meanwhile he's not at he doesn't does, know. He's like he's more immature than I feel everyone else in the movie. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna break her heart one day. Sorry, uh, but um, he's gonna read Ramona Flowers and break her heart. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she's super into him, and it doesn't actually come into until until she eventually calls him out on it, right? Yeah, like spoilers, by the way. Uh, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> so she's flying a plane while he's flying a kite, and he eventually notices her when all, when he's gone, everything's done, all the chips are down, he has nothing, and that's where he finds himself. Where she calls me, and goes, you know, you were really mean to me. Yeah, and it was like it was almost like her calling him out that got him to be like, oh, because I think you are right. Where he does go full circle, like he's a very flawed and like borderline unlikable person. Like he does, you know, he's he exploits his friendships. He's he's lying about getting hand jobs from his mo- his best friend's mom, mm-hmm. which Just, is the most evil. If he wasn't so capable, like remarkably capable, I think you'd really turn back and go, I don't I guess that's that's why I compare him to Gru from the Despicable Me <laughs> yeah. movies. Like you shouldn't like them. Yeah, exactly. But there is something like, I don't know, because I do give a pass to younger characters. Like, because I mean, everyone's kind of stupid at 17. There's very few yeah. people who are like fully their mature self at that age. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know, he's doing even when eventually him and Bill Murray go into a whole like prank war, I guess you would call it. So good. Which is crazy. It's yeah. a crazy so prank war. Real, yeah. It goes real. He goes to kill Bill Murray. Like, <laughs> dude, when he cuts that tree down and he's just like, he's like, let's, he's like, I thought you wanted to end this once and for all. And he goes, oh yeah, that, I was going to have that tree fall on your head. Like, like he thought he meant like squash the beef, but he's like, no, I was going to end your life once <laughs> and for all. I was going to literally kill you in front of his mother's grave. That was his <laughs> yeah. plan of attack. It was to saw a tree down over his mother's corpse. <laughs> so oh. good. I am of the belief that I missed integral parts of this movie trying to figure out the deeper meaning. But well, then what stood out to you? What do you feel like you... Bill compl- Mary falling over a fence? Okay, so then what do you or- feel like you blanked on? What do you think happened that you went, wait, what did I miss? So here's... here's I, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning, and here's my thing with like Wes Anderson movies, and what helps is when I know it's a Wes Anderson movie, so, you can so blame this it. was like an so extra hurdle completely blame it. of yeah. me trying to be like, is this it, Wes Anderson? There are these things called opening credits, too, that usually let you know who directed a movie. So. Yo, when that's happening normally, I like to close my eyes and shake my head as hard as I can, so <laughs> no. when I open my eyes, it's like I'm really there, you know what I mean? I don't like to have like, oh, this is a movie. Just you like, just oh, tra- no, transport yourself into the world. a 30-year-old man having tantrums. You're having yeah. mantrums. Mantrums, yes, uh, which is my mantra. Have a mantrum, my mantra. You uh, your mantra? Welcome to Weird Wonderful World. You can't cancel. You can't keep closing shows Whoa. when someone makes a pun. Is this secretly your podcast and we're yeah. going to do mine later? Is that what's happening? Because we are not on track for mine <laughs> at all. If you do, if you come in with witty repartee, Sean ends the interview. Yes. I don't want it. Can't have it. Uh, but so like the thing with Wes Anderson films, like I was saying before, it's like I always feel like I'm missing a deeper meeting. And I think it's, it's also that like the aesthetic Science. is so foreign to me. Like... It isn't as, like I have an issue with like this is gonna sound so fucking dumb, but like aesthetic stuff, like aesthetic setting when things are like 
clearly in a world just visually it fucks me up that when i don't have like any reference point to it and like wes anderson like a grounded reference point like a like real world I, like i don't have a specific like you've never been to rushmore like you've yeah. never seen that before. i've never seen rushmore and i also don't watch enough wes anderson to be like oh like i know it's wes anderson but i don't understand like what that setting implies which is like are you saying that you're oh you it, he makes you he's so stylized it makes you overthink so you miss correct. plot points is that correct. what it is because it was like i saw it and like you guys said it feels to me what that this movie felt like is like one of the Tenenbaums is trying to live in the real world. Yeah. Which is, which is great. That's what I did love about the movie is like, there is Bill Murray being, not being a, uh, Bill Murray, not being a Wes Anderson, Bill Murray, but just being Bill Murray in this movie was very grounded because I fucking, I would, Bill Murray is the greatest thing that's ever he's happened. King. He's, he's a king. king. My favorite story about Bill Murray is when he went to his son's bar and he would be like, what do you want? And they'd be like, a whiskey sour. And he would just give people shots of tequila. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, we want a Long Island iced tea. He's like, you got it. And he would just give him a shot of tequila. Um, but that, like, I get so caught up in trying to find, because it reminds me of, like, high art. Like, there's this piece in classical music, classical percussion music called Bone Alphabet. Uh, yeah, this is where I turn into you because I'm yeah. already like, what? I know <laughs> all about the Bone Alphabet. But essentially, like, Bone Alphabet is like this highly like uh sounds sexual subdivision <laughs> inside subdivision thing where it's like you're playing like an eight you're playing eight beats inside of a three beat inside of a two beat where you're just trying to like very minutely meter out things in a abstract way that doesn't sound like one two three four it's mm-hmm. essentially the whole piece and you're playing it on like a suitcase and bongos it is so hard to play correctly, but then when you play it, it just sounds like you're dropping the instruments down a flight of stairs. Yeah. It just sounds like bing bong, bing bong, like unintelligible. And for some reason, Wes Anderson's like film style and the aesthetic makes me immediately go to that place where I'm like, I need to fucking strap in because I'm gonna miss everything that happens. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Blow it. Follow me on this thought right. because blow the idea mind. is that he is stylized in a very organized, placed method. You know, there's that whole idea that everything needs to look a certain way because he's specifically going for an otherworldly aesthetic. That's his worldview and you're seeing his eye. That's what you would assume from any kind of stylized film piece. Yeah. Alternatively, that is something that is accepted in every art form, mostly outside of acting. So then you take someone who you can relate to that you love, like a Nicolas Cage, who specifically goes for avant-garde non-realism in terms of his acting, but he still tells the story the same way. That is super stylized. But what you what happens is that is such a chaos to what you would assume the world that you understand is that it abstracts you from that piece. You can understand the world, watch this chaos happen. That is the same kind of level of stylized high art. And you go, now I get it. Well, yeah, I also I think it's that thing with because I, I and this is not like a, a bit like I genuinely think Nicolas Cage is like the voice of a generation. I think he is fucking incredible. Can it also be a bit because I think you but can... it, it's also a bit because yeah. I own all of his DVDs and I want to start I want to oh, start Cage Vember where I try to get a, a star named after Nicolas Cage. Uh, but that's a separate I want to get a national holiday called Nicolas Cage Day. That's a character sanctioned. trait. That's not a <laughs> but um. so like with Nicolas Cage, he is normally like Nicolas Cage is not. Oh, God, could you imagine if that crazy motherfucker directed and wrote a movie? But um, if Nick, like the the movie is not <laughs> get googling. <laughs> I was like, has? maybe he has. <laughs> but like Nicolas Cage is normally in a movie where somebody's like, hey, I set up this world. I would love Nicolas Cage to come in here and just like take a big hot steamy shit all over it and be Nicolas Cage. Jeff Goldblum's starting to do that. Too. Yeah, but Jeff Goldblum too. He has a D and D podcast. It's a phenomenal. Oh. Um, but I that's easier for me because I think I. 
in ways I'm like the Nicolas Cage in my life where it's just like things are set up and I come in and I'm like, I'm just going to be crazy. When it comes to like Wes Anderson, it's just like, it's like basically your point is like, it's so (laughs) the whole thing is so stylized that I'm like, I must be missing something. Like, is there a picture? It's so specifically paced. I'm like, there must be a picture in the first scene of the movie that explains the entire movie. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. I would, yeah. I would bet that you're just uncomfortable because the world is too organized. You're like, that too. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, like, if you would just step into that world, you wouldn't feel comfortable. I would want to break everything. Exactly. Yeah. You'd be you'd be the Scottish bully, I think. hundred yeah. percent. Why, with why was character. he there, by the way? Why was there just a, a random Scottish side character? Bully. Well, I, I think a Scottish is one of the funniest accents, so I think that was just Yeah, that easily. played that, that tracks though. That tracks. But I think even his whole journey like to the end, I think the point when him and Max reconcile and he hires him for the play is Max finally taking that step to like being able to understand his peers and being mm-hmm. more like a, a less weird dude. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I'm sorry, but news off the internet ticker. Uh, Nicholas Cage has directed one film <gasps> in 2002 called Sunny. He didn't write it, but listen to this plot synopsis because I've never heard of this. <laughs> An honorably discharged soldier returns home to New Orleans, normal, hoping to break away from his upbringing as a trained prostitute. But Wait, that is not a family business. <laughs> but his brothel madam mother has other expectations. Is he in it? Um, I don't think it looks like James Franco stars in it. What? And is it, is it, lit- it Sunny with an O or a U? Uh, oh, S O N N Y. And this is a film by Nicolas Cage. Wow. Wow. Well, we watched the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not know. I went to his Thanks IMDb. for tuning in. Ooh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is in it, but he's like 15 characters down and he plays someone named Acid Yellow. Of course he does. Yeah. That's a color. All right. I think, I think uh, Masha, delete all this. We're going to go watch that movie and just do an episode on that. In, in fact, we don't even need to tell you to delete it. We could have just not given it to you. Thank God for you. <laughs> this has all been a ploy to get Mosh Delision through. <laughs> you know, what is it? An hour and 18 minutes worth of content. All right. Sorry. We, we were actually saying something awesome there, but then I just started Googling kids. No, no. I think. Well, I think it's Matt and I, we actually, we had a podcast about Rubik's Cubes and we found out that like I have a very an adverse and like visceral reaction to order in in like art it drives me fucking crazy which is weird because that's like the exact just juxtaposition of what i do very well which is order i perform order well in art but like something about things having a place when it comes to art makes me feel crazy and unsettled well i i work this when i when i think of working in art working in a piece whether it's improv or acting or anything like that the whole idea is i like for the world i'm in to have so much structure that i could be as free as humanly possible within it but my freedom is working within those bounds to see what we can build from sean's freedom is very much about all right well what happens if i kick through this wall yeah which is so funny that we're saying that because like my favorite things were kicking walls was bill murray falling over a fence yep. him choking his son uh <laughs> him stuffing that basketball when yep. his kids are playing basketball very 100%. funny when when why what, did that happen by actually, the way <laughs> artistically one of my favorite scenes in the whole fucking movie is during the birthday party where bill murray is just taking golf balls and throwing them into a fucking dirty pool while, i was like while smoking chain while, smoking cigarettes and, chain smoking cigarettes and, and looking at his fucking wife who's feeding food to another man and then he just jumps in the fucking pool and that weird kid in the speedo swims around him i was like i have no fucking idea what's going on do this more i literally called that scene in my notes the sad realistic ron burgundy scene (laughs) (laughs) i was just like oh man he is like cannonball (laughs) i think what made that scene so uncomfortable but it, it was like what it was a visual representation of a feeling that's what that scene was 
it was when he, it wasn't just him going through the whole process and jumping off into the pool. It was when that has that brief moment where we saw from his perspective, everyone looking at him like, what the hell is he doing? And he just next the drink. What happened to the glass, by the way? Oh, yeah. Because he climbed. Because first of all, he's got a high dive. It's pretty sweet. In his pool at home. Well, he says he's worth $10 million. Yeah. And he spends $8 million on it trying to get the teacher who doesn't care anyway. <laughs> but like he just necks a drink and then it's gone. Like he just jumps in the pool. I'm assuming he left it on the diving board, but I, I love the idea I, of him throwing it down. Yeah. I actually think you might see him when he climbs up the ladder. I think I remember you see him put the glass yeah, down. Yeah, he, but... he puts it at the back of the diving, uh, board. diving board. But again, like even thinking about that, like how fucking weird and specific was that the golf balls were like in a vase? Yeah. Like on that table. I was just like, that's the kind of like specific choices, i.e. Nicolas Cage, where I'm like, that is so specific and wild that I'm like, I fucking love it. Like anytime Nicolas, like Nicolas Cage in face off in a choir, grabbing that girl's ass and yeah. then screaming, I was like, what's going on? Do it again. Yeah, that's that. It wasn't accidental. You guys made this, you all had a meeting about how we should do it this way. Yeah. And there's a whole reason why. Yeah, it's just, and but like with Wes Anderson, it's so, it's so deliberate, like mm-hmm. order that I'm like, okay, if I pause this and look at this frame, like there's probably something where it's like, oh, you see a tree and the next to it is like a dead tree. So that's a representation of this next movement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then it's like, oh, there's like, you could see a little car, like right at the end, fall off the shelf. So well, that's that, when that's, the car crashes. Look, I'm telling you right now, this is a result of our school systems failing us uh, because we reviewed books and broke them down to the point that the author would have walked in the room and went, no, I just wanted to write a story about a guy who fawned over this lady with a green light across a yeah. river. Remember exactly. we had, uh, what was our, our English teacher? She's uh, like, they're raping the ground. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go to a diner instead yeah. of coming to your class. That was our that was our Engl- 12th grade I, English. I, I love breaking down what a story could be and why something's there. But sometimes you got to just let it be that, you know, I understand you want meticulous pieces to come in here, but yeah. Or and like, book, books are different than movies to me too. Cause with movies, there's so many moving parts where sometimes shit just happens. Cause you got to get it before the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, so, yeah, so you have that to take that factor in too, where sometimes people overly, I thought about this. I think I mentioned this. We did a chasing aim episode, so I might be repeating myself, but in Kevin Smith, he made that movie Jersey girl. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's like the scene where Ben Affleck's super sad. And then it's, it's the cameras panning over all these framed photos on the wall of like him and, Jennifer Lopez, who ends up dying in that movie in the beginning. Spoiler. Spoiler. It happens eight minutes in. Uh, <laughs> spoiler. 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 Uh, <laughs> it's basically cover. like the happening of romantic comedies. Yeah. And then and then it frames to and then the camera keeps panning and, and Ben Affleck standing in the doorway, like real looking upset. And Kevin Smith tells a story of how someone went up to him and they were like, I love the way you shot that because him in the doorway created his own framed photo where it was like he was a real life you know, photo, just like these ones you just showed. And Kevin Smith was like, cool. I did not know I did that. Like, <laughs> I just I just was like, the room was big enough to move the camera. And then I just thought he should be standing there because we need to reveal him. <laughs> and like, you know, so you can just dive into someone's work way harder yeah. than they ever initially well, expected. I, I mean, the, the joy of that is, though, is that you can do that because they've given you such a full piece that yep. Marvel's made a whole business out of it. That certain things that wouldn't necessarily have been Easter eggs for later films can become them because you can retrofit things into place. Yep. That's how D&D works. Yeah. <laughs> Is you make a choice and that, you're like, well, that, that'd that's be cool. a classic herald. Like that's some like you build a story and you realize something you did earlier can feed into why you did something later. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's it's beautiful that we get to sit around and think about it, but you know, the art the artist doesn't necessarily always give a shit. 
Yeah, I I just I just wanted to tell a good that story. That is that is my hang up. And and this is all to say, like I thought, so many points of this movie were so fucking so funny and so well written, and I think it really served. I'd never seen, and I guess it's the point. It's like a, you said, it's like a second film, right? Yeah, I've yeah. never seen a Wes Anderson film where not everything was Wes Anderson. Yeah, and this movie was like the shoot style is Wes Anderson, and that guy is clearly Wes Anderson. Everybody else seems pretty fucking normal. Yep. That was mm-hmm. that made this movie a lot more like a taint. I was still fucking lost because I was trying. I could. I was. Conv- I did not know it was Wes Anderson, and then I was convinced I was missing something. But so many of the things made me laugh. Well, it still felt like a because I I do I do like Wes like Anderson movies, but I don't laugh at them often. Yeah, it's they're, it's they're it not. Feels, I think this is one of the funnier ones. Yeah, they're not knee slappers, yeah. but they're not. This serious. one I had a lot of like. Oh, it is so funny to watch this kid do like. I loved the scene where he was the first scene where he was hitting on the teacher and he kept moving around on the bleachers. Oh, I love uh, that. You, oh hear, and you hear his foot stomps. Yeah. Oh my Cause, God. Cause it's juxtaposed as like, this guy is a fucking weirdo and she's just kind of like, what's going on right now? Yeah. It's is very, this dude it's hitting King of the me? Hill level humor where the humor is like, what, what? That's just slightly ridiculous. Yeah. That scene was so good. It just, oh I'm, God, I'm always exactly. listening for sound because I am a sound mixer and like, just the, humble brag, humble brag. The, the, <laughs> It's like Matt, all- Matt continuously does foley work in our podcast, <laughs> so just be prepared for that to happen. Yeah, all those birds you've been hearing—that was Matt the whole time. <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. Can you hear birds from outside? No, I see. <laughs> there was a siren. That I can't even hear those. Does, does my ever think sirens are birds? <laughs> yeah, there's fire birds and, and ambulance birds and, and police birds. Police what, what birds you, and what are you guys? Medical birds. Yeah, but yeah, there are just so many. Just like we, I love that kind of weirdo humor, even when. After him and the teacher have been getting along a lot, and then like every time her like pencil would die, he'd like walk from the other side of the room and give her a new pencil and just sit back on the other end, and like all that kind of just weird quirky humor. Just that, gets that's me. Conway Twitty humor. Like, how long can we just let this ridiculous? Like, why doesn't he just hand it to her? Yeah, that, exactly. Another another great scene for me that was like it didn't see again. Maybe this is just me in the lens I looked like it didn't. It wasn't like entirely shot in that like everything's in its right place way. Was when yeah. when she was called him out the first time. I'm like, hey, like, you know we're not gonna, like, do stuff because you're a fucking student. Like, it was really great to see, like, a clearly fully thought out, like, this guy... He was like, "Yeah, well, like you, we don't know that. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't know where this goes." And she's like, "No, I know where this goes. Yeah. It goes nowhere." He's like, "Yeah, but like, what do you like me?" She's like, "Not like that." And he's like, "But are you a fan? Like, are you cool?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah," and he's like. You know, it's that classic, so there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. But seeing that written in the Wes Anderson style of like how how much can I extrapolate this into this like all these big sentences, I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Like I can hang on to this scene and it's very funny in that like low-key way. And then I think the next thing that happened was like just a dirty single of somebody like walking down the street and it's like, <laughs> I want to die. But that something's was, happening in the background, I'm missing. You can't tell me that. I mentioned this at the top. The fact that it didn't look like a Wes Anderson film. Uh, this is a podcast. I did air quotes. <laughs> like it didn't just look like a film of his meant that his film style evolved over time. Yep. The script writing style and the uh, aesthetic. Because Grand Budapest Hotel, I was like, what the fuck am I that's watching? Full yeah, that's, that's full in. Yeah, that's like you're just watching like a, a movie, like a moving painting. Like It's yeah. so beautiful, but it doesn't, it doesn't, there's a reason I think this is my favorite is because like I said up top, every character feels like a real person. And that scene you were talking about where she kind of calls him out and being like, yo, this isn't going to happen. I like that. 
while this is a heightened world, Max is a heightened character, Rushmore is a weird place, but that was still a very realistic scene to yeah. me. Also, she's an awful te- First of all, yeah. let's really get into this. You know, I understand. She, okay, so she teaches the younger kids, so he obviously never went. She's a new teacher. He's 15. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. They meet because she's outside in a public area smoking a smoking cigarette. a cigarette. 90s, baby. She lets the him 90s. she lets him light her cigarette. Yeah. And then this this scene we're talking about where she looks at him, it's in that dirty single. You know, it's because you're 15, right? That's why I'm not attracted to. Why is she working in tandem with him at a library instead of her classroom? Like, why are they even together? The circumstances. Didn't he fill they, up like a glass of lemonade? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, drink, she's drinking from a glass in a library. He comes over and fills it for With a picture. Why are they together? And you know what? Circumstances dictate one thing can only be true. She is awful at the policies between teacher oh, and yeah. student fraternization. Because, yeah, and the way we were uh, saying earlier about how, like, they're each representing the dead person in their lives, I can only imagine, what was was it, what was her husband's name, Henward Appleby? Uh, Something Appleby, was it Edward Appleby? Yeah, I think maybe Edward, we'll say it. Edward Appleby, I I just assumed that he was just as weird as Max. Like, he was like Max. She kept describing him as a a younger version of her husband. Exactly, so I think, yeah, she is a bad teacher because she let those feelings... (laughs) Guys, this is actually the this is the precursor to the movie Bad Teacher. No, it's not. <laughs> I can't accept that. I can't. We should have watched Bad Teacher. Yeah. I haven't, have you seen that? No, I haven't. Have you seen it? It's like Jasmine's favorite movie. I've seen it like eight times. Oh, really? <laughs> she I, loves Cameron Diaz. I love Cameron Diaz, but now I've never seen it. No, it's fu- it's great. But yeah, so I think I don't, like I don't think she ever at any point thought about having sex with this kid or I disagree strong or or pursuing the <laughs> pursuing it as a romantic relationship. But she did let. She is a bad teacher because she did let this whole idea of like, he's filling a void that I didn't realize I had. And I'm going to like, not lead him on, but like. Well, she she, accepted him as a friend in her life. Yeah. Which is way more than you should have let a 15 year old who was clearly, she like, this is like their second scene together. He's clearly in love with her. Yeah, exactly. She should have been adult enough to look and be like, I need to cut this off within the first time I met him. Given his personality traits that are not just like. Uh, like oh these are under the surface like this kid runs every fucking club at the school yeah Yeah. and he after a slight conversation we had about latin club in which he told me that he wanted to cancel latin club he got latin club back but it should have been immediately been like okay we need to keep distance and she was like we gonna fuck (laughs) it was a great example though it worked really well to have that character dynamic toward the end when people were just saying what they felt yeah. Like when it got to the point of the aquarium was coming up, Bill Murray was now involved. Spoilers. Uh, and he goes to her and he's like, hey, he spent all this money to build you this aquarium. And she goes, I never asked anyone to build me an aquarium. Like, yeah. Like it all started from his crazy like spiraling of like, oh, she likes aqua- she has a couple of fish in her room. Yeah. So I got to build her the world's gi- biggest aquarium <laughs> yeah. and, and knock out the baseball diamonds, <laughs> which I love. Which is great. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah. We're going to have to move it a few feet in that direction. I was like, that's not how moving a baseball diamond would work, is we just pick it up and move it. A few. And my also my favorite thing, it was the thing that made me laugh in the movie, was as they were running up, he was blowing his whistle. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was going to stop. That was going to fix all the problems. It was very funny. I, I am so embarrassed 
that in the car here. Matt, I was like, this is like very Wes Anderson. He's like, because it's a Wes Anderson movie, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I love that Matt was like, oh, I didn't notice that it was written by Owen Wilson. You're like, I didn't notice that they named the director in the beginning. Yeah. Of that. And then I assumed you loved the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where. That I was. Think, a, I think that might have been. I think that's where we should wrap up for today, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for watching. You guys, <laughs> this, you, this has been Ebert and Robert. <laughs> you YouTubers with the watching. No, no Matt will constantly on our podcast be like, for the viewers out there, I'm like, nobody's watching. <laughs> Watching, yep, no, but our podcast we record for our Patreon. Yeah, we so have so nobody's video. watching is what I'm getting at. <laughs> our Patreon has zero patrons. There's nine videos up there. It's funny. If, okay, you know what? Anyone listening, if you've made it this far and Masha doesn't cut this out, <laughs> on our Patreon, one of these scales is an open space. So the first person to buy into it gets to decide what that is in perpetuity, That's which true. is a mistake. Huge mistake. It's going to be like Sean's daily dick pic is going to be, and it's, it's going to have to be not, an not not. <laughs> that's just pictures of fans it's just only your fans yeah it's only my fans <laughs> oh god Ro- rotary fans yeah ceiling yeah. fans rotary oh, only fans i get it now yeah. i see what you did yeah. you did the cooking ones only pants. i am the wes anderson of wordplay <laughs> you are not uh, thanks so much for watching guys i appreciate it so what else can we say before we wrap this guy up did here? we have any what didn't we do i think we in theory we also discussed this in great detail yeah it's just jumbled all, all hell but it's all normally how it goes with us so it's about we found gold we found gold within the freedom yes we did (laughs) for uh for everyone listening uh he said that with no honesty behind his eyes (laughs) yeah no honesty all eyebrows (laughs) i was was reading my notes and barely understood i barely even remember what i just agreed to i was like yeah (laughs) you you nailed it (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking great this means nothing to anybody except i weirdly started tracking it with our movies that we do on this podcast but in 2016 this was entered into the national film registry for oh, cool. being historically and culturally important by the U.S. government. Oh, wow! So it's uh, it's up there with some some good ones. Oh, do you guys want to play? Uh, we often like to try and guess what the critics and audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes are for, for the movies Ooh. we do. Oh, you know what? I specifically didn't look these up. Nice. It's, okay. it's fun to guess. Because this was way before Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So they don't have as many. It's not like there's not like YouTubers. It, that it's really all like counting. after. It was like people who actually got paid to. To be a movie critic. No, so it's just counting like actual movie reviews from the newspapers. Yes, exactly. Ooh. Ooh. But then the audience is anyone who is logging to Rotten Tomatoes. Like, we, we can go on. Yeah, we can go and fuck with the audience score right now. Sean could be like zero except for the fence scene, you know? Yeah. Can I can I rate the fence scene separately from the rest <laughs> of the movie? See, that's this is a hard one because in theory, the people who are going to go back and rate this on Rotten Tomatoes are more often than not going to be those elitist film watchers who love it for what it is. Or people who like love all Wes Anderson, like who have seen mm-hmm. the future of Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and then like... But then on the same token, the critics review, it's the second of his films and he's gone on to make so many more. Yeah, and so, also Bottle Rocket was an indie as fuck. Like a lot of people didn't see Bottle All Rocket. I remember from Bottle Rocket is them just looking up on a thing of... I think that might be the poster. That's I think I just described the poster. <laughs> yeah, all I think I remember is that I saw the poster. <laughs> yeah, I might have even seen the film. You might like it, Sean, because it's so not Wes Anderson. It's not even a little it's about, it's about three doofs who try to pull off heists, like three morons who Hell decide yeah. to be heist pullers. That sounds great. And two of them are Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. When you guys, okay, the other two are. This also- is another embarrassing. Sean made a connection that clearly isn't what was happening when you guys said Bottle Rocket. 
I thought it was the movie with Andy Sandberg where he plays like an evil Knievel kid. Like hot, hot, hot Rod? rod? <laughs> you said Bottle Rock, and I was like, fucking Wes Anderson made that movie? Also, that's crazy. And also, how old do you think Andy how old Sandberg is? Andy, is? <laughs> Andy Sandberg is like 55. <laughs> For him to make in a 1996 movie. Play and a then full, later full get hired at SNL yeah. in college. Yeah, it's the perfect plan. That's the career trajectory I would have wanted if yes. I could go and do make it over Make Bottle Rocket, get hired at SNL. But all right, so what do you... What are you thinking on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, uh, for which? Both. For critics both. or audience? You can pick the first. Uh, I'm going to say critics overall. I'm going to say it was a 92. No, I'm going to say it the other way around. I'm going to say critics was an 87. And I'm going to say viewership, like the audience. audience, thank you, was a 92. What are you saying? 95 for critics. Ooh. 84 for... Are you prices right to me, you son of a you bitch? Were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. First of all, there's no prizes. So you know, I'm not, you're not getting shit for shit. Right. I, Masha told me I'd get an ice cream cake if I got this right <laughs> when I first came. Cake? Uh, all right, you were the closest. This, we got 90%. He pointed to me, by the way. This is oh, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I have, you were the closest. <laughs> Matt was the closest. There we go. What was it? I'm a professional. Uh, 90% critics, 91% audience. Oh, I was yeah, close. You were pretty damn close. I just assumed everybody was going to rate like me, where it's like, great film. I don't know what was happening. Well, look, Sean could have tried to undercut me in two ways. He went on the outside. It was on the inside. Yeah. All right. So I feel like we're just going to keep talking more about M&Ms if we keep doing this. So <laughs> let's wrap this section <laughs> Is that up. not okay? And we're going to move into a quick round of Best Worst. I definitely have to go back and rewatch it. So if, if you can't think of it off the top of your head, it's fine. But I just picked Best Worst Club from the montage scene. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of your favorite, whatever, whatever you think the best is, whatever you think the worst is. I'll go first because I already did the research here. But for best, I gotta go basically just because I've never heard of this one. It made me laugh the most was the Bombardment Society, which is them playing dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball, yeah. dodgeball. the yep. Bombardment Society. Because I was like, what is that gonna be? And just gonna throw bars like you're out. <laughs> oh, that got me good. Oh no. And then worst, I just I went with French Club just because it just seemed the most boring. And also like, why was that the one language represented? It was just it was just a weird. But it's so funny you fucking say French Club because it was the thing that was the most West Anderson to me because it was like five second clip of them sitting in these weird fucking rows with like plexiglass and with he had the hat on the, the berets yeah i yeah. was like something's going on here <laughs> something's it, going on uh, so yeah i know it might be hard to remember off the top of your head but do you guys have any clubs that you remember that stuck out to you and it could be the one yeah i mean, I mean my, the, my the, best the, was 100 the uh, drama society the the uh, max and the players, players. The players yeah. max place. and then fencing yeah right? fencing was on there yeah that was, I was on like there. that's like but fencing I mean, had a good payoff i know it has to be there because it's like it comes fencing back later. Is the thing. And it's also, yeah, it's a very prep school thing, too. Yeah. Like, like, our school had a fencing team, but, like, I don't know. It just seems like a prep school thing. Yeah. See, I didn't like fencing until it came back later when he's at the fencing public school in the basketball. The basketball. Yeah. Like, yeah. he just assumed that's what Jim was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love when he makes that speech. We, we didn't even talk about it at all when he goes to public school, but. We, was, we, we did Alexis Bledel yeah, next Gilmore, to him. Oh, yeah, girl. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> there was a Gilmore girl. That's all that matters. We spoke about it because you're a huge Gilmore Girls fan. Well, because that was the whole thing. Like, I mentioned that he went through the Dan Harmon story circle yep. where he did. He lost everything and to the point where he had no longer had a school. He didn't have his friends. He didn't have the woman that he wanted. He had no and, status in this new school yeah, at new all. Set, but he built it all back. Yep. 
to the point where he was running the school the exact same way. And then he gets it. That's my worst is the friggin' kite society. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was an empowering moment, but I would have loved for it to be anything other than a kite society. <laughs> kite society. And the way he built the kite society wasn't bringing like the rules in or what you're going to do. He just listed people who he thought would like to fly kites. Yep. <laughs> I don't even know if that's his thoughts within him. He just listed kite people. Maybe that's maybe that's what the movie's trying to say. Like, it's not that hard to be a leader. You just got to tell people that they're going to follow you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I did like that because I thought I was watching this movie more so the way a traditional movie would go, where you would think he'd go to public school and then get like mercilessly bullied and not fit in. But I love that he he is able to pretty much regain all his status that he had around. Doing the backflips, the back handsprings but across the I feel like he even had more though, because the kids at the public school seemed to really like him, like after a little while. And he didn't really get that in Rushmore. So I think mm -hmm. it was like it was that was a little bit of growth there too, where his Rushmore classmates all thought he was kind of weird and wouldn't invite him to parties. Well, what do you think it was because that it was better for them? Like he was more acceptable to the kids at the other school. Like he was more familiar to him. He didn't actually, he wasn't good in school. He wasn't all these things. He just wanted to do all these activities or was it actual character growth where the character actually became better at what he did because he had to relate to people who were completely out of the realm that he was working with before. Yeah, I think so. I think it's that second one where, yeah, it's just, he's, it was less to me about him, about having this like weird Rushmore status. And towards the end of the movie, he does actually start trying to help people. Like he, mm -hmm. he actually truly apologizes to Dirk Calloway for the first time instead of making excuses, you know. And Best saying, character in cinema history, exactly. Dirk Calloway. Oh man, when they're throwing rocks at him. Sorry, that part was so funny. Oh my God. Truce, truce. <laughs> oh, hold on guys. He said truce. Hold on. He said truce. Why were they dressed up like wizards, by the way? I have no idea. Like they were, were they LARPing? <laughs> Probably. If you're dressed up like a wizard, nine times out of ten, you're LARPing. Yeah, I believe What it. is the tenth time? Tenth time? Fantasia cosplay? Or is that LARPing? Is Fantasia cosplay? Is cosplay LARPing? Fantasia Burino? Where's the line between... Oh, the movie Fantasia. <laughs> what were you talking about? Fantasia Burino, the woman that won the American Idol? Season oh, four? Geez. I was like, when did she Hold wear on, a now I just need cosplay? to know if I'm right. Was it season four that she won? Oh, man. I gotta look it she up. Became a... I'm also not a huge American Idol fan. I hope you didn't think it was a Gilmore Girls <laughs> Mom, situation. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> where I, I memorized every... I figure it's Buffy Gilmore Girls and then American Idol. Yeah, I'm pretty Idol. sure if it aired on basic cable, you know it. Uh, that's my... <laughs> Why did I think he was a huge fan of Gilmore? I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't question it at all. Fantasia won season three. Oh, your mother's ass. <laughs> After Clay Aiken, I was out. Yeah. Yeah. That if was a hard I was loss. invisible. It's a creepy ass song when you think about it. I was just I love watching. Yeah, we went to Best Worst and then I thought of like 10 things about the movie we didn't talk about yet. And I was like, oh, we jumped into that way too fast. But we're just going to keep it in Best Worst. I'm not going to try and go we're back. We're doing the best we can. All right. Give us one of the... I know you want to wrap up before we get back to... Mars related candies. <laughs> what is one piece you really feel like we should have hit on? I really just wanted to talk about the whole end sequence. I mean, A, the, the Vietnam play is hilarious. So funny. But it was growth for Max because every other time he put on these plays, it was either to get the accolades because he was good at writing plays or it was to, you know, win over his teacher. Like, remember mm -hmm. the, the scene when he's drunk with, uh, with Luke Wilson at the There was a table? vapid goal. Toy. Yeah, he was just like, no, no, I wrote this play, so you should like me, not this guy. And then this time, it might not have been the smartest thing to do, but he was strictly making that play, A, to give Bill Murray something to relate to. Because if you remember, Bill Murray's character was in Vietnam yeah. and he was in the shit, as he says. Mm -hmm. Yes. So he wanted to make a realistic character piece about being in Vietnam, but also to get him and, and Olivia together, or Rosemary, 
So it was like the first time he was doing something not for his own personal goals, but what mm-hmm. he believed was helping people. I kind of think they're both too a little broken to uh, Bill Murray and, uh, and Olivia Williams. Both their characters are a little too broken for them to actually be like true loves. Mm. But that's not the story we're watching. Yeah, it showed the growth in Max where he was like doing stuff for other people for the first time. Yeah, it wasn't for him. And which is why when they had that last scene when he's dancing with with Olivia Williams and you thought they were they going to fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he still thinks it. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it was a little more of like a sweet moment where they both helped each other work through this hole they had from their dead loved ones. And it was just like, it was them kind of dancing and just being like, thank you and goodbye and we're never going to see you. Like, I actually think him and Margaret Chang are, are maybe not like for life. But they're not going to go the They distance. were going to have a good... Well, I just think like they're actually pretty healthy for each other mm. as opposed to this... That's a good way to... They ups- were healthy for yeah, each other. Absolutely. They're 17, so they're probably not going to be in love for the rest of their lives. No. But... It was a healthy, it was but the I, first time he had a healthy relationship with someone his age. Oh, yeah. And I think this whole point you're making about how they worked through this loss that they each shared yeah. is exactly what Sean was afraid of when he was watching the movie. He goes, when, when did when did this happen? When? Oh, yeah. They gonna fuck. And <laughs> nothing else happened after that. But I, even even he dedicated the play to his mother and her dead husband. Like, it was like literally almost like laid out and then at that point. Where missed he was it, guys. Like, right over my head. I was too busy laughing at Bill Murray crying during the play. Because <laughs> he did. He did. You know what happened? They hit a hard, dirty signal on Bill Murray and just crying during a children's play. I was like, classic Murray. <laughs> ah, man. Give me more. I was, I was, when they were preparing just for the like play, they didn't, they like kind of underplayed the movie. play before the plague came about. Yeah. So all of a sudden he's just buying dynamite. Oh, I love it. I and love you're like, is explain. this for the aquarium? Is this, <laughs> what is it going to be for? Also, the fact that he pulled off—I mean, you, dude, you've 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 been in a lot of plays, especially school plays. The fact that this was a public school where they had that much props and like, like I mean, it was insane. Like the helicopter Look, in the background. But they proved that he can get funding when he goes to Bill Murray early on in the film to get thirty-five thousand dollars, and Bill goes, "I'll give you twenty-five. How did you do that? Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch that for two hours to learn how to do that from someone. Well, to be fair, it was he asked for thirty five thousand. He, he got, got twenty five hundred. Oh, so, twenty five hundred. I'm yeah, sorry, I misheard. Yeah, yeah. It was See, <laughs> Matt. This is why you got to really hold on during a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> These things will just fly right Went past there. you. This is why you got to hold on during a Love What I Love. I've lost the rails entirely. But still, I can think, we get some M and M's? Even for a seven a seventeen year old to convince an adult to invest twenty five hundred dollars, that's still pretty crazy. No, Jason Schwartzman was seventeen. He was fifteen, and the, the character. Oh yeah, 15. you're right. You're right. You're right. Imagine what kind of idiot you were in, at fifteen. Oh, 15, I couldn't. Fifteen. Years, 16 years ago. I could have convinced my parents to give me $20 at 15, let yeah. alone get $2,500 from you a get stranger. A slab of that, you get that slab of that garage meat, though, that boiler meat. <laughs> yep. Not explain let's that. not Believe explain it. that. Just Just <laughs> you have to tune in in 20 episodes, I'll tell you the secret of the garage meat. The garage meat, baby. <laughs> secret of the garage meat was my favorite Ninja Turtles episode. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's all I really want to touch on. I just realized we didn't really talk about the end of the movie at all. <laughs> Uh, I think we were bad guests. I think that's what. No, honestly, I think, I think the best guest <laughs> is, is what I'm going for here. Ooh, see, that's uncomfortable because you've had other guests. The, da- the, the download numbers will tell us the truth. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They no- and they normally very roughly do. And also, we have the kind of analytics to tell you how long into a podcast when people turn off. Oh, so we'll yeah. find out if it's like eight minutes and they're like, this is bananas. I can't, I can't stick along with this. That's not, that won't be good. I apologize now. <laughs> so thank you for listening if you made it this far. I'll be honest, I don't think we touched the movie in the first eight minutes. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. 
Oh. But the movie touched us, and I wow. think that's why we do yeah, these yeah. projects. I give it five cases. stars. Stay the world. <laughs> All right. Did you guys have any other best worst? Uh, best worst teachers at the school. Okay, oh, nice, nice. nice. That's a good one. Uh, so best teacher was the math teacher in his fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and worst teacher was Princess Nobra that he falls in love with. Yeah. Oh man, she, she did have no she, bra. She, she was <laughs> like. She was a good character, but really, when you think about the way a teacher is meant to behave around and in front of students, yep. awful. Yeah. Just awful. Even just allowing Max to hang around when she was teaching a class. Like, yeah. Totally. Like, you know, like, it, it'd be one thing if it was, like, after class they hung out, but, like, he was, like, actively hitting on her and bringing her fish. Like, you can forgive Bill Murray's relationship with him because he's got these kids at home that are of his yeah. age that he doesn't understand them. And he's he got finally, a loveless marriage. Yeah, he's and got... he, he finds a person that he can relate to. But he is not beholden to him other than, you know, p- potentially coming off as this creepy guy hanging out with this kid. You know, for Rosemary Cross, Olivia Williams, her career is on the line. And she could have gotten fired for any form of the fraternizing that she did with him. Yeah. To the point of All him lighting, the, from the inciting moment, it goes downhill and she can get herself fired. She doesn't need to bang him to get fired. But she doesn't also need to not wear a bra to school. Have him light her cigarettes, um, hang out with them on weekends. They became this weird pod of a family. Yeah. That And again, it's not that she's a bad person, but no teacher would get away with this no, in terms no, of their career. Not at all. I'm going to have to agree with you, A, because I think you make good points, and B, I don't know if we see any other teachers in the movie. There's that one math teacher in his fantasy, and yeah. then Guggenheim. I disagree. Yeah. My best teacher is the gym teacher that runs around with the whistle, who is Andrew Wilson, Luke Wilson. Oh, it, yeah. is, it was him. I it was right. Nice. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. I liked him. He was my favorite he because great. he thought stopping the aquarium was going to be blowing a whistle <laughs> and running <laughs> in. Uh, and then worst teacher for me was whoever the fuck is facilitating the theater program. <laughs> because they, <laughs> they are letting that kid do whatever he wants. Um, yeah. That's because I'm pretty sure Max is facilitating the theater yeah. program. Dude, it reminded me of, I don't know if you guys watch Arrested Development, but mm-hmm. when James Lipton's character was putting on his play called New Warden but with like exclusively with like very young kids and they, they're, they're touching on like prison rape and like like smuggling drugs through an anus but like anytime they show the play it's like these eight-year-olds performing it it's great <laughs> Warden Gentles had convinced his granddaughter's teacher to mount New Warden as a school play been causing problems nobody sells any coke in this pen without daddy getting a taste beat him with a pillowcase full of batteries Whoever's the facilitator for that should be fired. <laughs> yeah. There right. is a show out in the UK. Um, I remember the name. It's like the this big fat year show of the year. And at the end of every year, they do a quiz show about the year with a bunch of celebrities on there. And uh-huh. one of the things they do is they get a local school to perform to perform a small segment of a scene from a movie with all like eight or seven year olds performing oh, that's it. That's great. Oh, and it's all like, you know, like those Aaron Brockovich kind of scenes. Have you have you seen the scenes of like kids doing Scarface putting his face in a big pile of popcorn and there's a big stuffed tiger there. It's that kind of thing. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. I gotta I gotta look into that. Uh, so Sean, you had a one best worst. I, I do. I have the best worst Murray. Best worst. Yeah, Bill. get in there. All right. uh, I think we all know my best is falling over a fence. <laughs> yep. And the worst was it's never Murray's fault, first of all, in this category. No, no, just so we're all no. clear. Yeah. It's not Murray be with you. It was the first thing he does, which is that speech he does in the cathedral like oh, at I the beginning loved that. i <laughs> loved it but for some reason i was like 
why would they ever let that happen? Well, he explained it right after because he like he he oh paid, he throws a bunch of money. Well, yeah. he paid for that building. Like so, you know, oh, he, true. Was, he was like, I paid for the building. The least these these like snot nosed kids can do is listen so, to me. I would like to change the segment to best best where we just talk about <laughs> our two favorite things. Oh no! If you listen to these episodes, Masha never comes up with the worst. That's our running thing. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you're I, a good company. I'll I'll do the I'll follow into the Masha uh, bracket <laughs> yeah. where I pick the best is that and then. Uh, also best is when he cries at the end of the movie yeah. watching that play. Those are my best, best Bill Murrays. What's uh, the worst worst then? <laughs> oh, I don't even know. The fact that I didn't know it was Wes Anderson and also that the Gilmer girl was in it and I was convinced Mavra would know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be on your team immediately. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Gilmer. And you were going to name, you were going to call it Gilmore. Dude, how mad would you be if we stopped recording this? We go on my DVD shelf and you see that I have all the Gilmer girls on DVD. You'd be furious. <laughs> it, would, it would just be such an unnecessary ploy. <laughs> yeah, I'd just be like, ah, I got you. You'd be like, but why? Yeah, <laughs> for I, who? I have a curiosity for you. Why did you do this? <laughs> Um, I don't think I can a worst Bill Murray moment's hard because I do love him every time it's he's on great. the camera. But great. I think just from the amount we talked about it, I got I think the best is the pool scene for me. Just everything about it. It's just mm-hmm. so it's it's so indicative of who his character is and how sad he is. And like he built this whole world of wealth with like, you know, a quote unquote perfect family and like he hates his kids, his wife's cheating on him clearly. Yeah. He's just depressed and drinking all the time. That that scene to me was like that's the tangible aspects of Wes Anderson. Yeah. Is like very specific but fucking weird ass choices that and like the cutaway that happens to the portrait is very Wes Anderson to me. Is like he looks over at his wife and then you're like, Who the fuck is that? And then it cuts to a picture of him, that woman and his two kids. You're like, Oh, it's the wife. It's yeah. very Wes Anderson. I was like, I like those mechanics that he uses. But also, I love that portrait. He has the same depressed look that he has in real life. So then when it cuts and to him... Does he have a cigarette in his mouth yeah, in the in portrait? The portrait. So yes, it, it's, it's such a great way to introduce a character by showing how somebody relates to him and feels about him and then telling them who they are in in relation to yeah. him. As opposed to be like, this is my wife. I hate her. He goes, I hate this bitch. Yeah. She's my wife. <laughs> So as much as I love him attacking his son in the backseat, him stuffing the basketball. Oh my Yo, gosh. we didn't talk about it, but when when Dirk Calloway confronts him for getting with Olivia and then he spits on Bill Murray's car. Cinematic oh my God. gold. I love that moment. So good. Oh <laughs> um, so yeah, honestly, I think I'm going to go the Marshall route and like, there's no worse Bill Murray. Everything's great. No, there's, there's, there's no bad Bill Murray. Yeah. Any, any best that we didn't touch on for you for that? Or you just, you, you, I you like doubling I, down. Okay. So this is super Wes Anderson. But it's simultaneously a best and worst Bill Murray is when she offers him a carrot and he says, yes, he goes over, grabs the carrot and then walks back to his other position yeah. to eat the carrot. That was, yeah, th- that was a very, very like said, Wes Anderson. Deliberate, but like weird. You yeah. know? <laughs> Love that. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Let us move on into Beyond the Credits. Did you not watch the post-credit scene, Sean? <laughs> it was did is where that Guggen- they showed, Guggenheim had uh, started to walk again. Thanos? <laughs> yeah, that's where. <laughs> and they officially tie this movie into the MCU. <laughs> it's Brian Cox as Thanos, going fine. I'll direct it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I am inevitable. <laughs> I am Rushmore. <laughs> I wish I could remember what he yells at Wolverine in X Men Two, but I can't remember. Um, at like, which you're point? not an animal or whatever. Like I forget what he says. When it's in your night jersey when you were born. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was my that was my life introduction to Brian Cox. I never knew who he was until I saw X Men Two. I don't itself. think I did. I mean, we're too young to remember Maneater. Manhunter. Manhunt. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're too young to remember. 
<laughs> he was the original Hannibal Lecter before yeah, on, Anthony on Hopkins. Film. Oh, Sean does not like horror. I know that. Ooh, not a fan. It's more of a psychological thriller. Let's be fair. That's true. I can do psychological. I don't do jump scares. Like, Have you done yeah. Silence of the Lambs? Matt, you you know, yeah, of course, but yeah, you you, you know that like Matt and I cleared out an entire movie theater when we went to go see Paranormal Activities. Just because you were yelling, activities. <laughs> yes. was, was that the Asylum DVD <laughs> shitty yeah. version of Paranormal, Paranormal Activity? <laughs> There's a lot of activities. Oh, the wor- the worst was I don't know how I wound up with tickets to the Evil Dead remake. Oh yeah. man, there was a premiere in the city, and Sean and I go, and we're sitting in the second row, second row, and I'm and covered with a jacket. Sean is terrified. <laughs> the best part of it was this one. Big dude, like he he was big to scale in all dimensions, and yeah. he he gets up to pee and he can't find a seat on the way back. He's like, I don't know where I was sitting <laughs> in the front row, like he's walking across <laughs> just looking for his seat. Yo, I'm scared. This is scary. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real horror movie. That's what Sean needed to get through the uh, film was that be brief respite. I yeah, I commend you because I'm a I love gory movies and that one was even too much for me i was like there's a lot of gore going on in this yeah. evil dead remake oh i i was covered, not a bad remake though i was covered <laughs> in a jacket i just went with matt because i was like yeah movie premiere sounds great <laughs> and then i was like i think he we got there i was like what kind of movie is this he's like it's evil dead what the fuck do you think is gonna <laughs> yeah. happen it's like the original but with way more blood yeah i think the, and the original has a lot of blood <laughs> i think the typeface was some kind of just blood scrawled out <laughs> yeah so good. You were just a rookie cop throwing up in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, for beyond the credits, I'll say right off the bat, I nothing about this movie tells me that there should be a sequel for it. I think it would be a very weird choice. Yeah, to try to make a Rushmore two. Um, we although, did come although, up with a third in the trilogy. Uh, although we did connect it to every perceivable universe. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do think that he, him being Gideon Gray and Scott Pilgrim is pretty much. Yeah, that one actually it, works. It, it makes perfect sense. So, yeah, that's my beyond the credits that he is Gideon Gray. I'm stealing it. You guys got nothing. Come up with your own. I, I hold belief that he and the teacher bang and then have Dom Toretto Gideon as their Gray. kid. It is Gideon nice. Gray. Nice. Um, I, I think it would move in the... I, again, he's like this evil megalomaniac. So I think he's going to go into... He's got obviously going to go into business. He's set yeah. for life now because he's hooked up with Bill Murray. Yeah. He's going to either join him in business or invest in another business. Ooh, we could have an envy situation here. Uh, which is, is that the know, Vaporize movie? The, the Vaporize movie. <laughs> Not necessarily in the sense that you know, like they're they're trying to escape. Po- well, he. What's crazy is all of the accessibility has for some kid who is essentially impoverished. Like he is not well off, and he always has money and fun. He buys dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> he pays for everybody's dinners and stuff. Yeah, yeah he always is like <laughs> schmoozing and having the cash. I don't know. I, I think there could be some kind of Wall Street, you know, two guys going to business kind of film for him. Or he's a supervillain. Or we get Despicable Me. That's very possible. Or American Psycho, I feel like, is more... So I do I do love, especially you, Matt, in the beginning, you were like, what I love about this character is he does have like a full arc and go full circle and learn something. But then you're just like, well, we're going to throw all that out. And he's just going to be an asshole for the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, he, can't, he, he, he managed to get himself back to a well-rounded person of the asshole he was. Let's be fair. Yeah, exactly. And that's a story arc. You go back to where you were, changed for he's evolved. He's better. He's probably not gonna build an aquarium for the next girl he's with. Like, oh poor what is it, Margaret Yang? Yeah. I think it's Chang. Margaret Chang? Yeah. Poor, that poor girl, she's gonna expect so much because she, what he did to try and get Mrs. Cross. Exactly. <laughs> she she's not gonna get classes made for her. Uh, also, I don't know what happens to his scholastic career, but he does not have the grades to get into a college. No. 
Yeah, and he even claims that he's like he's trying it. He has like all these like big name schools on his list. Yeah, but like yeah, he's where did, where, where did the teacher? School. Yeah, Harvard was his safety. Oxford and Yale was. Where I mean, going. I wouldn't be surprised if he just ended up being a barber. You know, just like his dad. Or he's Which just would be like, rad. Yeah, I'm just, just like a name dropping barber. <laughs> he, he's the white guy in barbershop. <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where it all goes. Yo, did his dad not look like the guy from Up? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Like more so than Ed Asner, who played him, looks like him. Yes, exactly. Which is great. It's a big glasses. The man's made a whole career on it. Yeah, exactly. Now, the I kind of alluded to this at the top, but I did, you know, I'm the one who chose this movie this week. I wanted to bring you guys in on it. Call all the reasons I said before where it is a comedy, but it's a comedy with a little bit more to chew from. It's not, you know, it's not Dumb and Dumber. It's a very different... Classic. It's a comedy just like Dumb and... You know, they're the same genre, but just like worlds apart. But I do think that a lot of this movie is very funny. Um, A lot funnier than I find other Wes Anderson movies. So I was trying to connect to you guys on that level. Plus, him being... An eccentric high schooler. I kind of you, you two were both. Uh, yeah. not, not you weren't like Max Fisher, but you were definitely uh, some were, uh, some uh, some semblance of the spectrum of that. Yeah. yeah, and and to the point where like, even if you weren't friends with everyone, most people knew who you guys were just from your extracurricular activities to how you know just yeah you, no no no, 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 no like, thank you we really did peak in high school. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I'm thinking like. Like honestly, like like Sean and I didn't become friends until senior year. Yeah. But like I knew who the fuck you were in middle school. Like I was like, there's Sean again, just doing his thing. <laughs> Being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, we really we really do take a lot of RAM for people's brains, don't we? That's <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunate. So I, I kinda wanted to make a like somewhat connection there where Max Fisher is like uh, He's not necessarily, you know, he's he's not the jock in the high school, but everyone yeah. knows who Max Fisher oh, is. Sure. He's, he's on everyone's brain at some point. The fact that he loves performing and writing plays, you guys are performers, writers, yeah. creators. Yeah, we do a lot. And of so those are kind of the reasons I wanted to bring this in. And I did just would find it funny to have to hear Sean kind of talk about an artsy film. And, <laughs> and it he, has proven to be very funny to he hear is Sean not talk disappointed. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've only disappointed me. So I, I didn't want to just pick something where it was just like, that was funny and that was funny. I wanted to pick something a little with substancy like that. And we've talked about it a lot. Matt already kind of gave it away, but I have to ask you guys the titular question of our podcast. Do you love what I love? Who loves what we don't love that? Do you love that? I might love that. Who loves what? Masha, you don't even need to use the sample. They just, they just created it perfectly. Recreated it. Feel free to use that instead. I've never felt more note for note in tune with something, but it's really good. I love it. Matt, I'm going to let you start because I know you already said it, but if you have any final thoughts, now's your chance. Uh, no, feel it. free to just pull that sound bite from the top of the video. Bring it, <laughs> bring it over here. Uh, no, I loved it. Uh, like you said, you, you mentioned at the very beginning, it was a very accessible film. And it was a, for Wes Anderson. For Wes Anderson. Yeah. For but, for regular films, it's still well, pretty. <laughs> not even for Wes Anderson. For a stylized film like that, yeah. it was very accessible. Uh, and it wasn't just that I enjoyed it as a film fan. I enjoyed it as somebody watching a movie. So I, I loved it. Sean, I and you could be honest if you didn't love it. And love is a strong word. So. Yes, I think that that is my. I don't think I loved this movie. Yeah. I think I liked this movie mm-hmm. because 
feel like such an idiot. Well, you understand by not loving it, you don't love what he loves. Even that, if you just liked it. But that's fine. That's the, it's not like what I love. I it's love like what I love. I idiot because I watched that whole movie and was like, man, Wes Anderson and this guy really are on the same <laughs> I was just about to make you feel better and be like, don't, you shouldn't feel dumb. It's a movie. We all experience them differently. But yeah, dude, if, if, we, if you and I listen to the same level of high art music, I wouldn't. I would be like, did someone drop the instruments down the stairs? Dude, and I, you would say no. They actually carefully arrange it. So I will show you Bone Alphabet after this. And yeah, I, when, I don't understand. When you hear Bone Alphabet, that is what I see when I'm watching Wes Anderson. But that being said, for a Wes Anderson film, there were many moments that made me laugh like very fucking hard. Most of them were Bill Murray. Yeah, I mean, how could you? Uh, I think it was really cool to see a style of movie that normally is like very abrasive for me have an accessibility because it was like we took the characters that normally populate the whole world took one of them and then made them live in the real world is like that's the kind of comedy i really like a lot of the time yeah. is like re- nicholas cage in every movie is what normal pretty normal shit even if you're watching like the sorcerer's apprentice not and, a comedy yeah sorcerer's apprentice is hilarious because the movie is insane and the nicholas cage is normal <laughs> like the one movie where he could be a fucking maniac sorcerer he's like hey how you doing it's me uh the sorcerer i didn't see that but quick side note that's supposed to be like the remake of that segment in fantasia right correct okay Continue. what yeah because yeah, that, that's what that's the the brooms with mickey mouse mm-hmm. that's sorcerer's called apprentice. it's called that second's called the sorcerer's apprentice Sorcerer's apprentice deeper dive than that is actually a piece of classical music that has been around for years yeah, and years. No, you, you yeah, sound insane on. i'm gonna show you i know a movie it's, it's called a, the bone alphabet it's all about a wager to bone this bitch named, <laughs> they betty <laughs> named betty. the bone alphabeta it's uh it's a cuck film that's, uh, so i would not say i love this movie but i did like it which i was ready to hate it when I was like, this is a guy that does Wes Anderson stuff. <laughs> what a copycat. <laughs> J- Jess Anderson, his sister. <laughs> Jess Anderson. <laughs> so he doesn't love what uh, you love. Is that's, what we hey, that's why we're here. We're here What's to discuss. Man? Yeah, I'll show you uh, Bone Alphabet after Alright guys, so now <laughs> is your time to plug anything you'd like uh, for the folks at home. They want to check out your your awesome stuff oh. before we wrap this up. So you just remind them, I know we did at the top, but remind them you know, what you guys are called, where to find you. Sure. Where that Patreon is, so we can get some of those sweet bucks coming in. <laughs> yeah, you guys can become viewers. Uh, so Matt and I's collective work, you can find us on all mediums of podcast at Weird Wonderful Worlds. Again, we sit down with people and just kind of talk about the worlds that they get into, like the social interactions and all this stuff. And I might be one of those Mavra people. Mavra will be in the <laughs> probably the next episode that we put out because I do them week to week now, uh, where we're going to talk about Ma- uh, Mavra growing up was a bastion for hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, a, in an incredibly white community <laughs> yes. where I felt like an isolated... Uh, in, in, the, in the type of community where you'd come up with a phrase like, say, Bastion for Hip Hop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com backslash 21st Floor Comedy. We have a lot of skits. We have... Uh, uh, you can find us on Instagram where we don't post at 21st, yes. floor, at, uh, 21st can, floor Comedy. On, on the YouTube, we have our series called Movie in an Egg Roll where we watch very fucking weird movies we have assorted sketches as well as and uh our new project is dunces and dragons where i am a very big fan of dungeons and dragons and matt is a fan but doesn't know how to play it so every day i walk him through (laughs) our adventures and tell him how the rules work it's a real Uh, and i fully go game i fully improvise the whole thing so you can find us there we have a patreon at 21st floor where there are zero patrons but if you buy it into it you could see us having these podcasts and think uh, about how cool it would be to say you were the first one. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That and, could be and, any of you right now. And yeah. you know what's crazy? If anyone listens to this, 
Uh, when if they anyone let, yeah nobody we don't even I, put it out I, I, <laughs> this is just for my friend Masha yeah we edit it and then we put it in a hard drive and then we put that in the closet <laughs> <laughs> that's how this works right uh, so like like how cool would it be if someone to listen to this and go oh I want to be the first one and then there actually are other people there they'll be disappointed but that'll it'll be good for us but then they'll be in the community yeah, you'll yeah exactly community. you'll be part of something yeah. bigger than yourself exactly. I'm essentially working toward a big Tyler Durden thing we're gonna <laughs> blow some shit up uh, that's my goal oh uh, yeah I mean I, yeah the final goal of this is to end all credit card companies that's, that, that's, that's why we're watching these movies <laughs> I'm gonna kill off all debt uh, you, and then my personal stuff is at Sean Param is me on everything Twitter mm-hmm. Instagram TikTok you can find me on all those I don't really do anything on any of them but I'm there yeah so reach out I do answer anybody that sends messages yeah, exactly it's mostly a conveyance and I'm on uh, my uh, my my K-pop followers from when I used to work at a K-pop channel on YouTube have recently started messing me again. So if nice. you guys want to learn anything about K-pop, I am a bevy of knowledge. He's, a, he's a bastion of K-pop. Yeah, I'm a bastion of K-pop in a predominantly white community. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am on Instagram, uh, Matt Sydney one. I believe I have a Twitter, but I mostly just own the name. I don't think there's a single tweet nice. on that entire account. I have not twatted. Uh, I have not had a steaming hot twit. Uh, God damn it. You can find me on YouTube as well. I, I don't think it's youtube.com slash Matt Sydney, but just Google Matt Sydney. Uh, and then you could find me. Don't find me on Facebook. I don't want to talk to you. Nice. Uh, Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> All right, folks, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. These have been your guests. Matt Sidney. Sean Parham. And I'm Andy, and I hope you love what I love.